is AEW successful? Why is Tony Khan running his promotion better than Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard are running Monday night and Friday night? Long-term booking. guys thank you so very much for joining me right here on off the script it is episode 436 for your sunday this is july 17th 2022 i am your host jd from new york as always coming to you live from the ots beer garden thank you guys so very much for joining me on your sunday nights wherever you may be man we have a lot to talk about tonight And I appreciate you guys spending part of your day with me. WWE, man. They could be looking at more dirt on top of the hopefully early grave of Vince McMahon. As more news is set to come out. That is the going speculation right now. We will talk about it as well as Wall Street Journal writers interviewed by Busted Open Radio, man. What? They think of the entire situation. The more that gets added to this Vince McMahon story, man, I am. I'm so happy. Because we have an inkling of a chance that this man may be gone. May be finished. And WWE, believe it or not, if that is the case, may be back on the right track. Also, we got news on... WWE's women's division. The women's locker room. Incredibly frustrated with Vince McMahon. I wonder why. I wonder why. All the reasons why you should be upset are the very reasons that Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out of the fucking company. And now, now you want to cry. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. We'll talk about that as well. We'll talk about Sasha, we'll talk about Naomi, we'll talk about two NXT former talents debuting with AEW, one of which, if Tony Khan wants to use right, could be a major, major breakout star. We'll talk about that tonight, all this, and your weekly wrap-up right here on OTS. Make sure you guys follow me on social media, at JD from NY206, that's Twitter. And Instagram, TikTok, which is... I uploaded a TikTok video the other day on this PG-14, TV-14, PG-14 thing, whatever the fuck you want to call it. TV-14, WWE. He got nearly 11,000 hits. I got like 1,300 followers on it on, on TikTok. Everybody in the comment, man, why, why are you mad? It's like they never heard fucking the podcast before. Like, are you new? Hopefully you are. I can't believe people are this fucking stupid. TikTok, Cameo, Instagram, Twitter, you know it. You go find me. I'm all on there, man. Thank you for everybody hitting hit me up on Cameo. Awesome stuff over there. Still got a couple more to fulfill this weekend. You guys are awesome. Thank you so very much for all your support over there on Cameo. 
Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Make sure this guy get those super chats in, man. We got to get those super chats in. Hang out at the end of the show. It's a great way to support. We'll have our cold beverages as always. The comment section is yours. Hit that join button as well, man. Become a channel member right here on OTS. Today, sponsored by Magic Spoon. My favorite cereal right now, man. Magic Spoon. And I'm not just saying that because they're sponsoring the show, man. It's delicious. And I got Magic Spoon cereal bars, too, which tastes just as great as the actual cereal, believe it or not. It's awesome. MagicSpoon.com. You guys are going to use that code script. And save $5. That's a lot of money nowadays, man. That's a fucking gallon of gas right there. It's a lot of money. $5 off. MagicSpoon.com. Code script. We'll talk about my great friends over at Magic Spoon a little bit later on in the show. And if you guys want to go get your merchandise, man, now still available exclusively on Bonfire.com. Go get your shit over at Bonfire. And make sure you guys go check out all the other contents that is right now available on the homepage. So go check that out if you missed anything about anything on the channel and what I've uploaded this week. Tons of live streams and videos for you guys. So go check all that stuff out as we are trekking towards 135,000 subscribers. Just to make sure you guys are aware, I have the air conditioner on because it's hot as fucking ball. It's humid as fuck in New York City, man. So I got the air conditioner on right now in the venue. And uh, if you guys hear some buzzing in the background, it's not my microphone. It's not my soundboard. It is my air conditioner cooling my office at 68 degrees. Because normally when I do this and I don't have the air conditioner on, it's 78 degrees. And nobody wants to do that. So if you guys hear buzzing, that is my air conditioner. So do not be alarmed. And how can I forget, man? I need 1,000 likes minimum. The fuck is wrong with you guys, man? Only 466. We got 1,400 people in here already. I need 1,000 likes minimum. On today's OTS episode 436. Good. No buzzing. I like it. I like it. WWE. What I don't like. WWE, man. WrestleMania 38. Apparently, they need to tout because that's all they have, man. WrestleMania and the money it generates. WrestleMania 38 generates $206 million for the Dallas-Arlington region this April. It's a good deal. It's a good deal, man. WrestleMania 38, believe it or not, is probably the best WWE show all year. And I don't usually say that in regards to WrestleMania because WrestleMania is one of the most poorly booked shows of the entire year. They don't give a shit about booking anything right on that show. They load it up. They try to sell their 80,000 tickets. The show itself has the worst build for the pay-per-view out of any pay-per-views all year. It's the same shit. It really is the same shit every year, man. It, it honestly gets worse. It honestly gets worse. WWE puts no effort into building anything substantial at WrestleMania. The whole WrestleMania this year was built around Stone Cold Steve Austin and his return, and then Cody Rhodes making his WWE return to wrestle Seth Rollins, and they waited on that till the day of. Those were the two biggest things going into WrestleMania, and that was it. Lesnar Reigns was a disappointment. Bianca Belair and Becky Lynch did have a great match. Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair was a complete fucking flop. But it's stupendous. I'm supposed to believe it's stupendous. I guess it is stupendous if they did 206 million fucking dollars in Dallas. 
So they sent out this press release. Mayor Eric Johnson of Dallas, an Arlington mayor, Jim Ross, no correlation, no relation to JR, good old JR, over an AEW. I found that to be quite hilarious that his name was Jim Ross. Announced this week that WrestleMania 38 generated $206.5 million in economic impact for the Dallas Arlington region this past April, according to a study conducted by the Enigma Research Corporation. This marks a company's record or a new company record for the first time in history that WrestleMania has generated more than $200 million in economic impact. Somewhere Nick Khan is probably uh, pleasuring himself quite nicely. This is exactly what he wanted and exactly why he was brought in. Over the past 12 years, WrestleMania has generated more than $1 billion in uh, economic impact uh, revenue for cities that have hosted the event. WrestleMania also generated approximately $24.8 million in federal, states, and local taxes. They say, and I quote, on behalf of the Jones family and the entire Dallas Cowboys organization, we congratulate WWE on their milestone success of WrestleMania. At AT&T Stadium, said Dallas Cowboys Chief Brand Officer Charlotte Jones. We were honored to partner with WWE and their superstars to give back to the community in a multitude of ways during WrestleMania week. On behalf of the city of Arlington, we congratulate WWE and their fans for surpassing $200 million in economic impact. for The first time in WrestleMania history, says good old mayor of Arlington, Jim Ross. We are glad to have shared the success and look forward to the opportunity for AT&T Stadium to host a future WrestleMania. So they drew 156,352 fans from all 50 states and 53 countries around the world. And the 206.5 million indirect, indirect and induced impact derived from spending by visitors to the Dallas Arlington region for WrestleMania 67% of the fans have, uh, or that attended WrestleMania were from outside Dallas, outside the Dallas-Arlington region, and stayed an average of 3.5 nights. $25.4 million was spent on hotels and accommodations within the Dallas-Arlington region. The economic impact derived from WrestleMania week was equal to the creation of 1,777 full-time jobs in the area. So that is all for uh, you stat geeks out there. If you guys wanted a little bit more of a breakdown of why it was such a big economic impact to the Dallas Arlington region. Good for them. Good for them. It's what they do, man. It's what they want the WrestleMania to be all these fucking years. Big stadium show, big economic impact. I just wish the actual fucking care for the show went into the actual card and the bill that we see on weekly television. WrestleMania could have been a lot bigger if WWE actually put some fucking effort into the show. But I guess it really doesn't matter if it's doing $206.5 million fucking dollars. And if it does $206.5 million, and this is the biggest that they've ever done. So, you know, in my way, what good is it if they do anything right on television or build, you know, great storylines and they make television interesting? They don't need to. And the more that they make this type of money, the less that they're going to do that. Because they feel now with this $206.5 million, they don't have to. So we, the fans, are shit out of luck because WWE is making their money by doing what they are doing currently. And to them, that's the right way to go about it. So good luck on getting a right and perfect and a interesting and an exciting WrestleMania season on Raw and SmackDown. With $206.5 million, 
You ain't getting jack shit. WWE, in fact, may just get more lazier as the years go on. Kind of a sad story. Not really a WWE or AEW story, but it is in the news and people are talking about him. I was contemplating on uh, whether or not talking about it here, but I don't have any, any, any great input to add on top of what I'm about to read to you. Michael Elgin, you guys know or care about Michael Elgin, wrestles in Japan. Apparently, he got caught stealing protein powder in Japan. Don't know why he's stealing protein powder in Japan, where I know they don't really stand for that type of behavior. And you could really be seriously punished if you do anything out of line uh, in uh, the ways that he did it. Stealing doesn't really bode well for anybody over in Japan, especially if you get caught by the authorities. Michael Elgin apparently was, on Saturday, arrested, this was last weekend, for stealing protein powder And then he was jailed. The report also noted that he could face five years in prison if he's convicted guilty. Japan is notoriously very strict on crime. Now, Michael Elgin took to Twitter today to say that he was not charged for stealing protein while in Japan, and he is not facing jail time. Seriously. Michael Elgin says, no, 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 I I didn't do this. I'm not charged. I didn't steal anything. And Cassidy Haynes of Bodyslam.net, who has gotten stories right and has broken two stories in particular, the CM Punk and the Brian Danielson story. So uh, he's got a pretty good track record of putting his name out there when it really matters. I don't know why he would put his name out there for this story, but regardless, he did. You know, I don't know why he would put that out there if he wasn't in the know on something. So Elgin was actually in Japan to work the shows for Pro Wrestling Noah. But it was announced on July 9th that he would be unable to wrestle on the card in Japan. So it was also announced that he would miss the show at Budokan Hall, causing the promotion to have have, uh, him vacate the GHC tag team titles that he held with his tag team partner. I'm not going to bother saying what happened, but I'm going to say I was not charged for stealing protein, says Michael Elgin. I'm not charged at all. I'm not facing jail time. I'm also not deported. I'm going back to Canada to be with my family after the passing of an extremely close family member. Michael Elgin's been in the news about uh, a variety of things, you know, missing from home. Uh, It was a runaway from home. Uh, I guess some type of uh, abuse at home towards his wife and depression kind of mixed in. I don't know what's going on with Michael Elgin. I don't really know much of Michael Elgin, but he seemingly looks like a train wreck waiting to happen. And I wish him nothing but the best, man. I really, I don't know if there's anything else on Michael Elgin, so I don't really know anything about the guy. I don't know if he was ousted in the speaking out movement. I believe his name was brought up. I don't know how far that got. But, I mean, this is, it's kind of embarrassing. To be quite honest with you, man, you're a professional wrestler with somewhat of a name overseas, and you're out stealing protein powder in Japan in a country where you should not be doing that type of thing because you may never see the fucking light of day again in your home country. It's ridiculous. So Michael Elgin, I don't know what's going on with him, but uh, if I hear anything as far as an update on this story, I'll let you guys know. I found it to be quite interesting that he would go out there and do such a stupid thing 
And he was in TNA. Yes, he was in TNA. He was actually very successful in TNA. He had a decent run in Impact. So I don't know what's going on there. Like I said, I'll keep you guys updated on this uh, this comical and silly story of him stealing protein powder in Japan. But like I said in the beginning, man, I don't really have any real input because I don't know the guy. I don't know anything about him. But I find it to be fucking ridiculous that he would go out there and do something so fucking stupid as to buy protein powder. If he didn't have the money to buy protein powder, I'm sure he's buddy-buddy with somebody on the roster to spot him a couple to go buy fucking protein power. Why are you going to go out there and risk your life for five years in prison to steal fucking protein powder? I don't really understand it. It's ridiculous. I wish him, I wish him well, man. I really do. I don't want to see anybody suffer, but I find this to be just a little silly on his behalf. Or he could get it cheaper online, yes. He could go online and get it cheaper online. I don't get it. I don't know. Another non-WWE news article here, man. I found this to be interesting as well. And it goes to show you how WOW is a fucking fail. And I feel bad for April. April Brooks, the former AJ Lee. It's ridiculous, man. WWE had used Lita earlier in the year to go one-on-one with Becky Lynch. And they figured did WOW. Hey, Lita could still go. Let's call Lita and see if she wants to work with women of wrestling. Lita said, fuck off. She said no. Hall of Famer leader reportedly turned down approaches from women of wrestling. Before WOW's late 2021 announcement that they would be returning to television, it was originally believed that Lita had discussions with AEW about possibly working together in 2021. In comes WWE like the fucking hawk, right? They swoop on in. Oh, she's talking to uh, AEW. Let's get her on in. Doesn't make any sense to pour against Becky Lynch, but we'll get her in here. We don't want her going over there. We'll pay her all the money she wants. Don't go work for TK. I'm a big fan of Lita, man. I think Lita's great. I thought if she did end up in AEW, she could really give to that division. WWE used her. AEW wanted her. They talked to her. However, information obtained from Fightful Select indicates that Lita also had interest from WOW, even though Lita made it apparent that she had no interest in working with the promotion And more specifically, David McLean, who is the man behind this all, well made at least one approach, but things didn't get very far. One source reported that Lita was very clear about how she felt about McLean and rejected the approach right away. Believe me, I looked and I looked and I looked and I googled every which fucking keyword to find why Lita apparently does not like David McLean, who's, I believe, the funding, or the man behind the funding, for women of wrestling. I could not find anything on why she doesn't like David McLean. I don't know why. So I'm just going to leave it at that. She doesn't like the guy for whatever reason. She doesn't want to work for him. Maybe she thinks he's a scumbag. Maybe she thinks he's a slimy prick. I don't know. But she didn't want to work with David McLean of WOW. In the end, WOW's original strategy, which called for reaching out to numerous women's wrestlers with international TV exposure, was rapidly abandoned. As you guys know, Tessa Blanchard, who is a mess in herself, was then used as the foundation of the brand, only to be fired before the reboot, reboot could ever get going. In February, Lita made her most recent WWE appearance at the Elimination Chamber. Like I said, wrestled Becky Lynch in what was a halfway decent match. Lita could still go at the age of 50, which is great. And Becky Lynch was the Raw Women's Champion at the time. 
Her first match since October 2018 was the Women's Royal Rumble match, which she worked back in January. I don't know. She didn't want to work with WoW. Maybe she thought WoW was a sinking ship and she didn't want to be a part of that fucking failure because her name would be attached to it. So she probably had good intuition to see that, you know, I don't think this David McClain is really in it because he wants to be in it. And I don't think he's going to bring this brand to where it needs to be. And if I sign on with them, then my name's attached to this. And then I'm going to be looked at as being a part of this sinking ship. And maybe she didn't want that. Tessa Blanche is a whole nother fucking story, man. I, I don't know. I mean, who could have thought Tessa Blanchard would have been fired after about fucking six months being named the face of WoW, man? WoW, color me, fu- color me shocked. Color me shocked. That was going nowhere as soon as she got signed and announced, right? They wanted to blast her all over social media as if she never did anything bad or wrong in the past, almost pretty much omitting her from what she did in the past and things, the vile things that she said. Just want to put her on posters and put her out there as if people are going to just... Being, be ready and willing to accept her and watch her wrestle and want to see her wrestle. That was their first fucking mistake. From there, this brand was going nowhere fast. Clearly, Lita didn't want to be a part of that. Good for her. Good for her. That's all I have to say, man. Good for her for sticking to her guns. If you don't want to be part of something, if you see that there's trouble in the water, why bother? Why even entertain the idea? Good for her. Cody Rhodes, the roadster. Cody Rhodes has been nominated for an ESPY. Look at that, man. Leaving AEW and getting nominated for fucking ESPYs over here, man. Seriously. Only more ammunition for the AEW fucking hate parade on social media. Cody Rhodes has reacted to his WWE return still being in the running for this year's best WWE moments for the ESPN ESPY Awards. Out of the original 16 moments... Four now remain in contention for the award, with fans able to vote on their favorite moment of the bunch ahead of the ESPY ceremony. The four final nominees are, obviously, Cody Rhodes returns at WrestleMania to wrestle Seth Rollins. Big E cashes in money in the bank and wins the WWE Championship. No. No, we're not voting for that. Not because we don't love Big E. Not because we aren't fans of Big E. Because WWE absolutely botched that moment. WWE could have done that moment a thousand times better. We are not voting for Big E winning his first WWE championship. They didn't even do anything with Big E as the WWE champion. He was the weakest WWE champion of the modern era. And it's not his fault. It's a simple fact of the matter that WWE can't book babyfaces. And they fucked it up from day one, so it was going nowhere fast. Stone Cold Steve Austin returns at WrestleMania this year. Stuns Vince McMahon, Austin Theory, and Pat McAfee at WrestleMania. They didn't even fucking mention Kevin Owens. They didn't mention Kevin Owens and the fact that Kevin Owens brought Stone Cold to a 15-minute main event match at WrestleMania on night one. Kevin Owens got shafted. That's the only thing I see here. Kevin Owens got shafted. And The Undertaker inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Yes, Jinder Mahal is definitely the worst champion of the modern era, but you got, at least they booked Jinder strong. At least they booked Jinder strong, man. They did WWE, WWE did Big E dirty. 
They booked Jinder to win matches. Big E, not so much, man. They did KO dirty here too, man. They didn't even mention him in this SB. Stone Cold Steve Austin was feuding with KO. The only reason why he was brought in to stun Vince and Austin Theory and Pat McAfee was because it was a feel-good moment. So Kevin Owens got shafted. My choice, my choice for the SB is Cody Rhodes. Out of all the nominees on this list, Cody Rhodes coming back at WrestleMania, wrestling Seth Rollins in what probably will be the WWE match of the year, and that reaction and the feeling of watching that all occur on television, man, there is nothing that WWE does, does all year that's going to be able to duplicate that. Cody Rhodes returning at WrestleMania to win uh, over Seth Rollins is definitely the number one moment for WWE in the last calendar year. Cody Rhodes deserves that SB, but to leave Kevin Owens out of that, man, that's, that's, that's fucking shameful. It really is. Nowhere. Nowhere in that is Kevin Owens listed, man. Stone Cold, Vince, Austin Theory, and Pat McAfee. If I'm Kevin Owens, man, I'm fucking, I'm upset at that. Really? I main evented WrestleMania with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Where the fuck is my SB nomination? I'm going with Cody. So Cody actually talked about this, and he said that it was a true moment that he couldn't envision, and a door I thought would never be open again. A gigantic gamble, and I went all in, he says. Wink, wink. Wrestling fans returning that energy and seeing so many people vote for this moment fills my heart up. Damn, I love it. Let's win an ESPY. Man, when Cody Rhodes comes back, man, I swear on everybody in this chat, when you see Cody Rhodes back in WWE from his injury, you are not going to see a rocket pack like the one WWE is going to put on Cody Rhodes. I'm telling you, man, I hope that it comes off genuine. I really do. If, if, if they force it, then it's not going to be as special as we all want it to be. But that man is WWE champion upon return, and there's no other besides Cody Rhodes. The ESPYs, by the way, if you guys want to check in on this, live on ABC July 20th. Speaking of Cody Rhodes, Cody Rhodes was actually on Busted Open Radio to help celebrate the birthday of Dave LaGreca. Speaking of birthdays, speaking of birthdays, shout out to my boy Jesse. You guys know Jesse on Wednesday night, the Chi-Town uh, Smark. We're going to say the Chi-Town Goon, but I'll give him a pass tonight. Uh, Jesse's wife, today is her birthday. So they are out celebrating. So happy birthday to uh, Jesse's wife. And uh, I hope that they have a great evening together. And none of it has to do with professional wrestling, man. Get off the fucking internet, clown. Put the PS5 controller down, geek. Go take your wife out for a nice dinner, some dancing, right? Nice activity. Maybe you guys spend the night alone and do whatever you got to do while the kids are asleep. Great. Enjoy yourself, man. Don't let me hear about you fucking on, uh, on YouTube later sending me clips of uh, AOP or uh, some useless fucking Omas bullshit, man. Seriously. Seriously, man, give me a break. <laughs> Just to give you guys a teaser about what's to come on Monday. You guys wanted a sound clip. I made one. Anyway, Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. Uh, doctors are not willing to give him a timeline for his return. Cody appeared on Busted Open Radio. Like I said, he's been out of action. Since the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view due to a torn pectoral muscle. 
And the injury typically takes several months to recover from about six months, anywhere up to nine months. And WWE stated that it could be up to nine months. We all know it's about six, five to six months. So there's been speculation that WWE padded the timeline in order to bring him back as a surprise at the Royal Rumble. But Rhodes says that he does not know when he will be cleared because his doctors don't want him to uh, fast track the injury. Rhodes said, and I quote, my doctors, my doctors are not going to give me a timeline just yet for when I'm going to be back because they are afraid if I If they give me that timeline, I'm going to jump it by maybe a month or two. I almost hemorrhaged in surgery because there was so much blood. Well, I guess maybe working hell in a cell, maybe you shouldn't have worked the match with a fucking fully torn pectoral muscle, then come back out on Monday Night Raw and do what you did on Monday with Seth Rollins the night after. Not saying that had anything to do with the hemorrhaging of blood, but I mean, it couldn't have helped. Everything that Cody did and the prolonging of going to get surgery right away and canceling the match, all of what he did could not have helped. Rhodes also said during the interview that WWE's been working on a documentary potentially on him for Peacock. Rhodes says that Dave LaGreca is on the list of people being interviewed for the documentary. If you guys read between the lines in the Cody Rhodes quote that he gave to Dave LaGreca and Busted Open Radio, Doctors are not going to give me a timeline yet because they are afraid that I may jump it by a month or two. This is Cody Rhodes pretty much telling you that he is going to be okay and more than likely ready to go a month or two before WWE's original nine-month time frame. So when did he get hurt? What was it, June? May? May was uh, Helena Sal, right? May? June, July, August, September, October, November. That would leave December and all of January. Royal Rumble's at the end of January. WWE wants Cody Rhodes to be back by the Royal Rumble, so that would fit right in line with what Cody Rhodes says. He will be ready to go a month or two before they want to bring him back for the Royal Rumble. You got to dissect Cody Rhodes, man. It's like fucking the Riddler. It's like the Riddler. This man speaks in riddles, man. He's dropping hints of truth everywhere. Just got to pinpoint where it is. I can't wait for him to get back, man. Monday Night Raw is in shambles. They were in shambles before Cody Rhodes. Now you see how bad the show is without Cody Rhodes. And Cody Rhodes was only a segment of the show. There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Speaking of Raw, 
TV 14, man. Backstage news on the decision to make Raw a TV 14 program. The decision to switch WWE Raw from PG to TV 14 has obviously come with some hesitation. WWE considered this a few years ago when they decided to experiment with a more adult-friendly third hour. But that experiment quickly fizzled out, and they never fully committed to doing the adult direction in the third hour. They've been doing some more risque stuff on NXT this year, which, I mean, really isn't risque. I mean, if you call Mandy Rose coming out in uh, short shorts every week and Nikita Lyons shaking her ass every week and the word bitch and shit, getting thrown around on TV as risque, you don't really know what risque is and you clearly miss the attitude error. They've been doing some more risque stuff, supposedly, on NXT, a clear sign that Vince McMahon still believes that pushing raunchier storylines is the way to go. But on NXT, they haven't done anything close to what they did during the attitude era. Of course not. Of course not. Nobody's watching, so why would they even bother? Andrew Zarian, he was the first one to break this news report this week and he reported that there is some hesitation about the decision to make Raw a TV-14 show. He did tweet that they were going back to TV-14 on July 18th, tomorrow. That was not the case. He backtracked the story because apparently somebody caught wind of what was being reported, and then he had to put out a follow-up. If Zarian's putting out something, there more than likely is truth to that. He's not going to put his name out there and put his reputation on the line if he isn't sure. He's not that type of fucking geek in the community that, you know, wants to get you by putting out fake stories and then he himself makes him look stupid, himself look stupid. No, he's not that type of guy. So he put out something. There is truth to that. There is smoke to that fire. No question. So he, he retweeted and he put out the original story and then he put out another tweet saying there's a lot more to this story. There's some hesitation regarding this if this move is right. We will have a deeper update either later tonight or in the morning. So Dave Meltzer. Dave Meltzer started talking about this, and he picked up on the story from Andrew Zarian, and he kind of went along with what Zarian was reporting. Meltzer reported that a source in WWE said that this looks to be a USA decision and not a WWE decision. It was pointed out that the news of the change coming from a USA Network internal memo would also indicate that. Now, what I get from that is if it's a USA decision, then I like that better than anything because it's going to force WWE's hand to possibly make the appropriate changes. If this came from WWE, I don't really think they do much or, or anything about it, to be quite honest with you. In fact, I won't even think they get to this point because they're all about making money. They're all about keeping the advertisers happy. They're all about keeping the family-friendly vibe. That's all they want. They don't give a fuck. WWE doesn't give a fuck about what the quality of their television show is. They don't. So if it came from WWE, it, it would go nowhere. And I would be shocked if anything got changed. They're all about the family-friendly. They're all about the fucking, you know, the, the, the current product that you see on television, the... The same old, same old, rinse and repeat. They don't give a shit. They're making their money. You're going to go out and watch and bitch and moan and complain like we all do anyway, and that's all they care about. They don't give a shit. USA Network, if USA Network wants a change, 
then that's the, the, the main thing I want you guys to focus on because if USA Network is instituting a possible change, then they realize that there is something wrong with the show, that they realize that Monday Night Raw is not performing the way that we expect Monday Night Raw to perform, and that the show is not where it needs to be, and changes need to be made. What if we go back to TV 14 and we start pushing more of an adult product? So the fact that it may be, according to Meltzer, coming from USA Network, that is bigger than if it came from WWE because they, USA Network, now sees that the show isn't performing the way that it should. And WWE is now currently and has been for a long time dropping the ball on Monday night. So this came from USA Network. An internal memo would indicate that, says Meltzer. USA Network was said to be accepting of Brock Lesnar using the word shit-kicking on this week's Raw. When Lesnar said the word, WWE did a sound edit. Now, I don't know what had happened there, but I heard a sound edit, and if it was an adult-orientated program, shit is not that bad of a word. It's unclear whether Lesnar saying this had to do anything with the TV 14 rating, but the timing of it being approved was notable, says Dave Meltzer. But they ended up bleeping it out. They ended up bleeping it out. I don't know why they did that. They bleeped it out. So, uh, Lesnar said shit-kicking, and Meltzer went on to say, and I quote, as far as I know, it's something in discussion. It's not going to start this Monday like he had first thought, and I guess there was a memo that he had seen that said that, but the memo was released prematurely or something along those lines. Meltzer also went on to say that he doesn't believe the TV-14 rating means that they will do blood. Nobody expected them to do blood. I don't expect to see Raw have bloody matches every week. He also said that people in the company that he spoke with had no idea about the change to TV-14. So people in the company, I don't know who Meltzer spoke to, but people in the company... Apparently, they're people of power. Meltzer said that nobody in the company knew they were going to TV 14 or haven't heard anything about the change to TV 14. So USA Network had an internal memo. WWE didn't have any idea, or some people in WWE, I should say, didn't have any idea about this internal memo. The right hand didn't know what the left hand was doing. Somebody got fucking riled up and pissed off that it got leaked. Zarian got in trouble for it because he only reported what he heard from somebody and some other people that apparently that he spoke to, that those people knew, didn't know what was going on, and he got in trouble for it. Sucks. It sucks. So he said, I've asked the company, and there are people in the company who knew nothing about it. The company official line did not comment on it at all. So that makes me think that it's in progress, and they don't want to say anything until they are ready to address it themselves, if they address it at this point. Meltzer noted the reason why WWE changed the product to TVPG in 2008 was to keep sponsors happy, Mattel being one of the major sponsors. When Vince McMahon decided to make the product raunchier in the late 90s, it was done to fight back against WCW. The decision worked as ratings increased, and they ultimately beat the competition after losing for 83 straight weeks. WWE is the number one show on cable, but ratings have declined year over year, over year, over year, if you go back and look at the ratings from even 10 years ago, you'll be asking yourself, where did all these people go? Where did all these people go? And you will not be bringing these people back by going back to doing TV 14. You will not be bringing these people back to be doing raunchier storylines, 
to do Attitude Era-esque storylines. It's not going to bring those people back. The risk here is that if they go too far with their storylines, they may cause some advertisers to stay away. Now, we can't have WWE losing money, right? Some advertisers may stay away. In 2001, WWE began to tone down some aspects of its shows due to pressure from the Parents' Television Council. This is why the Godfather became the good father in right to censor a spoof of the real-life PTC. He eventually went back to being the Godfather, but the character was toned down from the Attitude Era years. There was another... Can you imagine the Godfather on current WWE television? Can you imagine, can you, can you imagine the Godfather coming out with hose? On 2022 Monday Night Raw, my God, man, you would have the pussies amongst pussies crying that it's womanizing and it's a terrible presentation. How could you be so sexist? God forbid, man. I'd love to see it. Just so that everybody else gets riled up. There was another push to have WWE be more kid-friendly around 2008 after the Chris Benoit situation. The idea was to soften the product and have Stephanie McMahon become the face of the company to business partners. I mentioned this a, a couple of times, man, uh, more than a couple of times this week. We, we did an extra on it, and we uploaded the clip to uh, Instagram and uh, TikTok or YouTube or Twitter, whatever. A lot of people are excited about this. For whatever reason, man, I, I don't know why, you know, your level of excitement is a lot different than my level of excitement. But I don't understand why you guys would be excited about a current product right now that is the worst it's ever been creatively. Trying to go back to TV 14 to try and save themselves from the terrible backlash that they get every fucking week about the show just being complete garbage why are you excited about a show being written by Vince McMahon and Bruce Prichard? TV 14 does not matter in the overall quality of the product. It never mattered. It was the talent. It was the way you booked talent. It was the way you produced and wrote the show. It was who on that roster you presented in meaningful ways. Stories developing week over week over week, leaving you wanting more leaving you at the end of a show saying, I can't wait to watch Monday Night Raw next week to see what unfolds. Great wrestling matches. Look at what we get on Monday night. We get R-Truth coming out, chasing Akira Tozawa, chasing Tamina, chasing Dana Brooke for the 24-7 title. We get two to three minute matches, barely. We get the same fucking circus of talent every fucking week. Nothing changes. WWE pulls people from NXT and lets them die on the main roster a thousand deaths before even thinking about using them. There's nothing of substance on Monday or Friday night. There's thievery storylines every week. One week, Nakamura's crown gets stolen or Baron Corbin's crown gets stolen. One week, Jinder Mahal's motorcycle gets stolen. The other fucking uh, week, uh, Drew McIntyre's sword gets stolen. I wish Bruce's pen would get stolen. Holy shit. Miz doing the same shit every fuck. Miz getting eaten by zombies. Lack of attention. Lack of, uh, of pushing new talent. More of a stance on pushing D-list celebrities and YouTube stars. No, but Monday Night Raw's in a good place right now, right? 
WWE's fault. All of it. This is nobody but Bruce and Vince's fault. The deterioration of the product is all they're doing. Now you want to lean on the excuse of TV 14 to try and remedy your own fucking mishaps, your own failures? I don't see that as a good thing. In fact, I, I see quite the other way, opposite way. I don't see excitement. I see desperation, to be quite honest with you. Oh, yeah, we'll go TV 14. That'll loosen everything up. Bad writing is bad writing. No matter if it's TV fucking 7, TV 14, PG, fucking rated R, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Give me a break. I don't understand people's fucking excitement to this. Bad writing is bad writing. The show is being written by Bruce and Vince McMahon. Look at what they do now. You can imagine being written, a show being written by 76-year-old Vince McMahon. Hey, we're going to get raunchier. Yeah, Vince knows a thing or two about raunchy, right? All the fucking money he's handed out to keep all these fucking women quiet. He knows a thing or two about raunchy. Maybe he can write the show. But Bruce, the most raunchy Bruce gets is when he goes to the supermarket and he decides to buy his vegetable of choice. That's Vince. That's Bruce Pritchard's raunchy. Oh, do I have asparagus or do I have broccoli tonight? Oh, my God, man. I'm, I'm getting excited, man. Give me a break. Shit is ridiculous. The fuck are you excited about? TV 14 means nothing. Ever. It will never mean anything. And I said this when I talked about this on Friday. And I talked about this when the story broke, when Zarian broke, broke the first story. Triple H. Triple H. He ran NXT under a TV PG rating. Never, never once did we complain about NXT be, needing to be more raunchy or NXT needing to be a little bit more risque. We, don't, we didn't need NXT to have tits and ass and these storylines that pushed the envelope. It just made sense. Everything about the product made sense. The writing was there. The product there. The in-ring action was there. Everything about the way the show was booked and handled was there. We never once as a community asked Triple H, well, if you're allowed to do this, let's go TV 14. The show would be better under TV 14. Triple H operated NXT under a TV PG rating, and it was the best pro wrestling company in the fucking world. What he did was the best pro wrestling show in the world. That didn't need TV 14, but now we need, everybody thinks we need now on Monday or Friday night TV 14? Come on, man. A little logic, a little, a little thinking will go a long way. We didn't need it then, we didn't need it now. Now, it's all in the writing. It's all in the writing. SummerSlam! <laughs> Summer Scam! You guys excited about Summer Scam? I know I'm not. Big name! Potentially returning SummerSlam weekend. PW Insider is reporting that Bailey is scheduled to be in Nashville, Tennessee at SummerSlam for SummerSlam weekend. She's been out since last July after tearing her ACL. The injury happened while she was working out at the Performance Center because of a stupid edict by Vince McMahon saying that everybody needed to go back to the Performance Center to uh, wipe off the ring rust. That's what she was doing inside the Thunderdome, wrestling in front of no fans, wiping off the ring rust. Bailey didn't need to wipe off the ring rust. All you did was wipe off one year of her fucking career for something she didn't need to do. 
So Bailey has been seen on recent weeks training again at the PC, so she's either been cleared or is expected to be cleared for TV very soon. Bailey and Sasha Banks have been seen together at various places in Orlando over the last couple of weeks, and both were said to have been in good spirits, and Bailey looked to be 100% recovered. Now, I am going to note that Bailey being in Nashville does not mean she will appear at SummerSlam, but it could be that Bailey is coming back to the WWE and will be seen sometime that weekend. Whether that means she's back on the road with the roster, whether that means she's making a surprise appearance at SummerSlam, whether that means making a surprise appearance on Monday nights after SummerSlam. This does not mean that Bailey will be at SummerSlam, but that she will be a part of SummerSlam weekend, according to PW Insider. So I'm excited to see Bailey back. I think Bailey is sorely missed. Doesn't mean Bailey coming back is going to fix the overall women's division or the overall vibe and feel of the women's division, but a talent like that that's been out for a year, you start to notice them when they are gone. And Bailey was doing the best work of her career for have her or to have her taken off TV and for her to go get injured when she didn't need to do whatever the fucking edict Vince McMahon needed at the time is a huge blow to the roster. So Bailey being back is going to be a great thing. Again, the writing. Bailey being back on TV is great. Bailey being there is awesome. But it's in the writing on how WWE begins to present Bailey and who they have her feud with. We'll see what they do. I'm not expecting much. But the fact that that woman's back uh, relatively soon makes me happy. John Cena. We haven't spoken about John Cena in a little bit. There was a reason why John Cena was pulled from all SummerSlam plans. And it is now being revealed that John Cena... According to Brian Alvarez, he's not competing at SummerSlam, was never in the plans to compete at SummerSlam because of his film schedule with the Peacemaker television series. It all had to do with Peacemaker. For all the rumors that we heard that John Cena and Austin Theory was going to be a SummerSlam match for the United States Championship, Brian Alvarez is reporting that Peacemaker has taken priority in Cena's career. I can confirm that being filmed right now is Peacemaker 2 and John Cena is involved. He's working on Peacemaker 2 as we speak. I presume that's why there have been discussions of him doing SummerSlam, but then he showed up to Raw to announce, someday I'll be back. I don't know when, don't know where, but I'll be back someday. Apparently, he's filming Peacemaker and that's why he can't do SummerSlam. You know, I haven't watched Peacemaker yet. I've heard so many good things about Peacemaker. Maybe I should... Dedicate some time to checking out Peacemaker. Is it worth it for me, you guys in the chat right now? Is it worth it for me to check out Peacemaker? Am I going to enjoy John Cena in Peacemaker? Let me know. Let me know. So, Peacemaker is filmed in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. WWE Chairman Vince McMahon reportedly was flying out this week to visit Cena in Vancouver. It was previously reported that WWE was planning a Cineverse Theory trade for SummerSlam. Uh, this was apparently going to be traded for WrestleMania. So this is what they were planning on doing. Cena not doing SummerSlam, Cena coming back and doing WrestleMania, and Cena doing WrestleMania with Austin Theory. I could see that happening. I think that would be pretty decent for Austin Theory. United States title won't be on the line, maybe... 
Everybody's saying potentially that Austin Theory could be the world champion, and this could be John Cena taking the title and winning number 17 against Austin Theory. I don't know how likely that is. I don't think that's really something I want to see. I think Austin Theory going into this hot is something I'd like to see, and him winning over John Cena is something I'd like to see. That's why you bring somebody like John Cena back. I'm not on board with this Austin Theory winning the world championship discussion. I'm not. Never was. Not yet, anyway. Not saying that he should never win a world championship, but I don't think he's ready for the world championship right now. WWE fast-tracking him so fast is premature. But that's what they do when they're in desperate need for superstars. They want you so badly to say, hey, look at this guy. Yes, we know the potential of Austin Theory. That doesn't mean make him the world champion uh, amongst uh, a roster of people who I can name three or four different fucking guys on that roster that should be world champion uh, before Austin Theory. Give me a break. The only world champion that you should have in mind right now is somebody that's not even there, and that's Cody Rhodes. That's what you should be building towards. And the world title right now is on Roman Reigns. I don't see Austin Theory cashing in on Roman Reigns at SummerSlam. He's not cashing in at SummerSlam. No matter if it's Lesnar or Reigns. I don't see Reigns losing that title to Brock Lesnar. Everybody seems to forget that we got a UK show coming up on September 3rd. It's going to be Reigns and McIntyre. I'm assuming that Sheamus and McIntyre are going to be booked for SummerSlam in a number one contender match. McIntyre is going to be wrestling Reigns at this show. McIntyre, more than likely, this is as close to a loss that Roman Reigns is going to get all year. They may pull the trigger on Drew McIntyre and have him win the world title. Then I could potentially see Austin Theory winning the world championship and cashing in on Drew, taking that moment away from him and having him feud with Drew McIntyre. That's my prediction. But I don't see him cashing in at SummerSlam at all. So we got John Cena and Austin Theory instead of SummerSlam being WrestleMania-worthy next year in Los Angeles. So that is the rumor right now for SummerSlam. He's apparently filming Peacemaker, and that's why he was not booked for a potential match, and a match that made sense, because they've both been calling themselves out on social media, why it's not happening at SummerSlam, and why it more than likely will happen at WrestleMania. Speaking of SummerSlam, might be a little bit of a spoiler, if Reigns and Lesnar at SummerSlam is the very last time for both men. So WWE is building up this final after the last final that we got between Reigns and Lesnar because this is now a last man standing match because the nine matches that we've seen previously and the build that we saw previously culminate at WrestleMania that started at SummerSlam last year wasn't enough. WWE figured they have to do it again. They're building up this final match, quote-unquote, until the next time. Last man standing. It's tough to envision WWE staying invested on, you know, this being it. Because when somebody else goes down with injury, they're going to call Lesnar again, and this match will be happening for an 11th time. It's tough finding WWE staying committed to anything or sticking to their guns on a stipulation. But their reliance on stars because they don't build anybody up, is quite laughable. This, uh, reportedly, according to sources, is the final Reigns-Lesnar match for the foreseeable future. Yeah, sure. I'm going to believe that when I see it. Speaking on The Observer, Meltzer reported that this is, at the time, the last match 
there aren't any more plans for any other match between both of them right now past SummerSlam. Meltzer added, however, that things can always change and lead to a potential rematch down the road. Now, this is it. This is it. I don't think anybody really is interested in Lesnar versus Reigns at all. Why would you be? I mean, if you are, you are somebody that just loves to dwell in mediocrity, man. You're really, you're really pushing that E, that E for life, you know. That whole uh, stand up for WWE thing, man. That's a little, a little pathetic. A little pathetic. This shouldn't even be the match, to be quite honest with you. I don't know why they're doing Reigns and Lesnar again. I don't get it. WWE could have done a variety of different things for SummerSlam, and they did nothing. They did nothing. One of the things that I talked about, I'm not sure if you guys, this was a, this was a while back. One of the things I talked about was, why don't we do Lesnar, Reigns, McIntyre, maybe get Lashley involved, right? Have a big fatal four-way match for the WWE Undisputed Universal Championship. Bobby Lashley wants to get Lesnar back in the ring. Drew McIntyre would love to get his hands on Lesnar in a major stadium, being that that got taken away from him. Reigns and McIntyre have something brewing right there. Reigns and Lashley could have developed something. They could have did Bobby Lashley versus Roman Reigns. They could have did that aforementioned fatal four-way that I just talked about. WWE could have did a couple of things. No, but they want to go Lesnar-Reigns. They want to go Lesnar-Reigns. Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns would have been a solid, solid main event for SummerSlam. But they didn't want to go that route. Instead of calling Lesnar back and throwing up the Lesnar bat signal, they could have did Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns at SummerSlam, and all would have been okay. I think Bobby Lashley and Roman Reigns would have had a great match if you gave them the opportunity to do so. But the Fatal 4-Way, man, why don't you just throw everybody in there? So they got Drew McIntyre feuding with Sheamus. We see Sheamus versus Butch, Sheamus versus Ridge Holland, Sheamus versus Butch and Ridge Holland, Sheamus versus uh, Drew McIntyre, rather. Drew McIntyre versus Butch and Rich Holland, right? He's got to run the gambit of brawling brutes until he gets to Sheamus, and then we get that match at SummerSlam. He's feuding with Sheamus. That's his SummerSlam match. Should be a great match, but you could have put him in a fatal four-way match for the Universal title. Same thing with Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley's throwing up fucking uh, his muscles in some oil contests with uh, Austin Theory. That's his role going into SummerSlam. Another rematch for the United States Championship. You could have put him in that fatal four-way. Lesnar, you could have brought back. It would have been tremendous. Could have been tremendous. What was that fatal four, man? It was Reigns, Lesnar, Samoa Joe, and Braun Strowman, right? All those years ago at SummerSlam? Could have did a take on that. That was a carnage of a main event, man. Went about 10, 12 minutes. They fucking tore the house down in that, in that triple threat match. Just let them go. No, but they want to do Lesnar and Reigns. They want to do rinse and repeat. They want to make themselves look stupid after WrestleMania. This is the winner take all, right? That's, that should have been it. Winner take all. Unify the titles. That should have been it. And now he's back. He's not on TV. He lost fair and square. He lost clean. And now he's back for his titles because he's Brock Lesnar. Terrible idea from shit creator. So, Meltzer went on to say, you know, I mean, guys get hurt, and it's a match that, you know, bringing Brock back still got a lot of talk and everything like that. The first week, there was a lot of talk on bringing Brock back. 
We'll see how much that means this week to a degree, but you know, it's still SummerSlam. I'm not interested. I know you guys aren't interested in it either. So just for you uh, stat guys out there, Roman Reigns is 3-2 and two against Lesnar, having won the last three meetings, SummerSlam 2018, Crown Jewel 2021, and WrestleMania 38. Lesnar took the first two one-on-one showdowns, beating Reigns at WrestleMania 34 and the greatest Royal Rumble. So is Lesnar going to win this and tie the match or tie the series up 3-3? Are we going to go to a final Game 7 here? God, I hope not. So take that as you will. Roman Reigns is up 3-2 in this series with Brock Lesnar. I do not, again, see Roman Reigns losing that championship at SummerSlam. Major update on Sasha Banks, her WWE future in doubt, her non-WWE bookings, and her first appearance since leaving WWE. Man, we're going to go over that in just a little bit, but I want to thank you guys for all of your support, man. We got 2,100 in the venue tonight. Checking in on you guys, man. We're nearing 1,000 likes. I see 850 likes right there, man. Hit that thumbs up. I need 1,000 minimum on tonight's OTS 436. Sponsored by Magic Spoon. I love me some Magic Spoon, man. It is awesome. What is Magic Spoon? Let me tell you, man. It's Magic Spoon cereal, and it's cereal reinvented. You can build your very own variety box. And you can choose from the best-selling flavors that they have, such as cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, cookies and cream, and maple waffle. They're also including honey nut, blueberry muffin, and cinnamon roll. You guys can now even add the cookies and cream and cocoa peanut butter uh, cereal bars to your variety box, man. Let me tell you something. I I had a cereal bar the other morning, man. I didn't even know I had them until I looked in my cabinet in the kitchen. And I'm like, holy shit, I got Magic Spoon cereal bars, man. Let me, let, me, let me try one of these. It's just as good as the cereal. It just tastes great. Seriously. Zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, only four to five net grams of carbs in each serving. Magic Spoon cereal bars have one gram of sugar, 10 grams of protein, four net grams, and only 130 calories per bar. They're also keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and they are low-carb, man. The reason why I am so high on Magic Spoon is because I remember vividly when my mother used to serve us cereal going to school in the morning. Right before school, man, the sugary cereals loaded with marshmallows and sugar and frosting and all this nonsense. It tasted great. But as you grow older, you lose that taste, man. You don't want that unhealthy stuff in your lifestyle anymore. Magic Spoon reinvented cereal that it tastes like that, and you get all the health benefits that Magic Spoon's giving you. That's why I stand behind this brand, man. So if you guys want to go check out Magic Spoon today, $5 off. You can build your own variety box. You can choose from all the flavors that I mentioned, the cereal bars as well. Use code SCRIPT at checkout, magicspoon.com. $5 off, and if you don't like their product, they're going to back it with a 100% happiness guarantee and refund you no matter what. No questions asked. 
magicspoon.com slash script or just use code script at magicspoon.com and for all my Canadian and British fans out there Magic Spoon is now shipping to the UK and I want to thank them for once again supporting the podcast right here on OTS normally man I skip breakfast I'm not a breakfast guy breakfast, breakfast to me consists of something like that or just coffee so hopefully you guys can uh, go hit them up and hit up Magic Spoon. WWE seemingly is trying to hit up Sasha Banks, but she ain't listening. She ain't listening, man. Sasha Banks is set to make her first public appearance as she's been booked for the C2E2 2022 Comic Con in Chicago, which takes place from August 5th to August 7th, 2022 at McCormick Place. She will do an autograph signing for $70 and a photo op for $90. Banks is going by her real name at C2E2, Mercedes Vernado, and is hyped up as Sasha Banks and from The Mandalorian. Fightful Select reports that Sasha Banks and her asking price is $30,000 per appearance. And one promoter said that price is expected because she will be in high demand as she is wanting to leave WWE on her own terms with a fan base willing to support her and has not been a part of the convention scene before. The fee is comparable to what AEW star Sting is bringing in. According to promoters that they spoke with, the only wrestlers they said were more expensive are Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Goldberg, and Shawn Michaels. The Undertaker started taking bookings in early 2019, and it was reported that he was charging $25,000 per hour. Never mind per appearance, per hour. That's what happens when you're the Undertaker. The latest indication that Banks is not returning to the WWE like I previously had mentioned is WWE taking her avatar off the Peacock home screen on the main app as Banks was one of the images that fans could choose from as their avatar on Peacock. Right now, Roman Reigns and Asuka are the only options. Of course, as the speculation started to swirl, it is now being reported by Fightful as well that promoters reached out to Sasha Banks in order to discuss booking and getting her on wrestling shows in any capacity. She will not be available until January 1st, 2023. Apparently, many wrestling-related promoters uh, attempted to book her. They were informed that she is only taking non-wrestling-related bookings until January 1, 2023. Fightful was not able to confirm whether or not the rationale behind delaying wrestling-related bookings was due to Sasha Banks' preference or whether it was related to contractual obligations, but noted they exhausted their sources trying to find out. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people were making fun of Mercedes in, uh, in light of this news, the fact that she's charging $30,000 for an appearance. I looked at this news, and I don't know if you guys are with me here, man. I, I looked at this news, and I said, Jesus Christ, that is fucking cheap. $30,000 to book Mercedes Vernado at your wrestling show or wrestling convention? That's cheap. Whoever books Mercedes at $30,000 is making that back tenfold. That is a great deal. I'm, so, I'm surprised that she's not charging more. She is the absolute most influential figure in all of women's wrestling right now. She's one of the most influential figures in all pro wrestling, period. She's the best and the top of the line when it comes to to female performers. This is the type of money that should be asked. 
if you're somebody like Mercedes Vernon. Now, the contract thing, I don't know. I don't know. I'm about to hit up House of Glory and tell them, Sasha's only $30,000. Let's get her. Let's get her. I don't know anything about the contract situation. I don't. I don't know if this is Mercedes doing this on her own. We don't know if she's released. Everything that you read, apparently she's still a part of the WWE active roster. Internally, she's still listed on the memos to be on the SmackDown roster with Naomi. Internally, they're listed on the roster sheets. WWE sent out a questionnaire asking what they thought of the roster lately. I don't know if you guys read about this too this week. WWE sent out a questionnaire to fans, a survey to fans, asking them to rate the roster. Sasha and Naomi were also a part of that as well. So I don't know if she's still contracted to WWE. I don't know if her lawyers got her out of the contract or if she is still under contract with a 90-day and the lawyers got her out of the regular contract, but the 90-day, WWE wouldn't budge on that. The 90-day would take her up until about September, October or so. But still, I don't know anything about the why she doesn't want to do wrestling-related bookings, get in the ring and wrestle until January 1, 2023. I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't have, a, I don't have a, a proper answer for you guys. Unless she's still contracted to WWE and the contract was set to run out sometime later this year, Maybe she's sitting out the contract. Maybe she told him she's not coming back to work. I'm not coming back to work, no matter what. So my lawyers are going to handle this. I'm sitting out the rest of my fucking deal, and that's it. She'll get paid her downside guarantee and whatever the case may be, and WWE's pulled her from all advertisements. WWE's pulled her from all the intros. WWE's pulled her from Peacock. WWE pulled her from Shop, right? In an effort to just get rid of her. Get the ball rolling on getting rid of her. But I don't know why, other than that reason. Maybe she's still under contract and she's just sitting out her contract until January 1. We don't know when her contract ends. It could be anywhere, August, September, October. And maybe she just wants to sit out. I don't know. I wish I had the answer for you, but the $30,000 is cheap. And people making fun of her, blah, blah, blah. I know she's going to get hate on it. I know she's going to get bullshitted on for it from all the fucking irrelevant geeks. On social media, $30,000, when I first read that, is fucking cheap for Sasha Banks. She should easily be charging 50 or more. So we'll see what happens with that, but nothing new as far as breaking ground on what's happening with Mercedes or where she's going uh, yet. And obviously, I will keep you guys updated on when there is some movement on what she is doing. But if you guys want to go see her at the Chicago uh, Comic-Con that is August 5th through August 7th. If I was in town, I'd probably go and check it out myself. Everybody's talking about Sasha, man, but what about Naomi? What about Naomi? Naomi's getting a little bit more comfortable on social media following a possible WWE departure for herself as well. Naomi is once again taken to social media to tease her WWE departure. Uh, right now, uncertain as well with Naomi. Nobody knows anything about her status. Naomi and Sasha haven't appeared on television since May 16th. And I'm still asking. Nobody asked the question. Everybody wants to blame Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks walked out. Uh, Sasha Banks walked out. Naomi followed her. Nobody asked the question. What if Naomi walked out? What if Naomi was the one that walked out and Sasha Banks followed behind Naomi? Why does everything got to be a smear campaign on Sasha Banks? I've asked this every time this question got brought up. What do you think? What if Naomi did it? 
Nobody in the community ever raised that question or raised awareness to that being a possibility. Only me. So Naomi was on social media this past week. And Lindsay Dorado, Lucha Lit, Lindsay Dorado, former WWE superstar. Lindsay Dorado asked her when they'll be able to do Lucha things together. Naomi replied, ASAP brother. Now that might not mean much of anything, but it could be an indication that she wants out and her stance on wanting out has not changed since May 16th. In, we- in recent weeks, WWE has shared posts which have noticeably omitted Naomi and Sasha Banks, including a graphic for the SmackDown women's roster. And that's not all. You guys know all the pettiness that WWE has done in regards to removing Sasha Banks and Naomi. That really doesn't mean much of anything, but it is just a little, uh, a little breadcrumb there for all the people on social media. I don't really know what to take of that, but it may just be two friends bullshitting amongst each other, getting the smart marks to get riled up. That's all I'll see from that. The women's tag team titles. What happened with the women's tag team titles, man? I don't know. But it ain't looking good. It's good for me. But it ain't looking good if you're a fan of the women's tag team championships. Fightful is reporting that talent that they've spoken to have received no word of when or if the tag team title tournament that WWE had Michael Cole say was coming will actually be coming. They also claim that they have not heard any discussion regarding the Women's Tag Team Championships since the announcement. This news follows Natalia feuding with Ronda Rousey over the SmackDown Women's Championship and Rhea Ripley splitting from Liv Morgan. And they have no teams in the division right now outside of Doe Drop and Nikki... What's her name? Ash? Trash. Nikki Trash. Those are, that's, the only, that's the only team that they have. That is the only set of women that they actually could say is a tag team. So Liv Morgan obviously was with Rhea Ripley. That was a waste of a tag team. Rhea Ripley was also with Nikki Trash as well. They tried and tried and tried with these makeshift tag teams. Nothing ever went the way that they wanted it or nothing. I guess the way that they wanted it was to have it fucking fail, but WWE never put any effort into anything that they did. They also had Carmella and Zelina Vega end up as a tag team. The division is in shambles. There was never any division to begin with. But there is no announcement. There are no plans for tournaments because you need teams to have a tournament. And right now, WWE doesn't have any teams on the main roster. Good. Good. I hope that they burn the titles. The titles should be eradicated from everybody's memory, man. What is that little device that they use in Men in Black? Just hit that fucking thing and just vaporize everybody's memory of the women's tag team titles. It is a waste. It is a waste. You created these titles for Sasha Banks and Naomi, and then you put them on Sasha Banks and Naomi to carry this division, and then you bury the titles within three months, less than, by giving them to the Moronics. You gave them to the Iconics, and the division died. The division was dead. It never recovered from that ever. Ever. I'm glad that there's no tag team titles. It's one less thing I have to complain about on weekly television. If WWE, and I said this, I said this earlier in the week, if WWE wants, get rid of these titles 
and give us a new title? Why don't we have a new singles title in WWE? Why don't we have come up with something along the lines of the TBS title? If you guys want another championship so badly on the fucking main roster, why don't we get a singles title that floats between brands? They have no problem putting Raw SmackDowns on Super on on on, uh, on SmackDown and SmackDown stars on Raw. They have no problem flipping flipping rosters nowadays. WWE has no problem eliminating the brand split while we're still operating under a brand split. We still have brands. We still have a roster split. WWE doesn't give a shit about that on a weekly basis. Come up with some cool name, some cool design to have a secondary title like the TBS title that is currently on Jade Cargill. That's what we should get. And the title should float back and forth and the title could be used to bridge the remaining women on the roster to give them something to do. Like a TV title or an intercontinental title. It could be their version of the intercontinental title or the North American title. I don't know why this is so difficult. Clearly, you don't like tag team wrestling, so why would you even bring back the tag team titles? There are no teams. Why would you bring back tag team titles? Same thing in NXT. They didn't need them in NXT, but they created them. Why? Because people ask for them. And the people that WWE listens to are a bunch of blithering fucking idiots. They don't know any better. They weren't needed for NXT, and they weren't needed for the main roster. Never were. Never will be. One set of titles is all you need. They made two. And even then, at one set, it was still a failure. They didn't even, they didn't even follow the rules for the women's tag team titles the right way. Ever. Titles were supposed to be held by somebody on Raw or SmackDown, floating between the shows. They could have brought them down to NXT and bridged the Tuesday night show together, using those tag teams to get some exposure on the main roster. Nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares. So if you want another title so badly in the women's division, come up with something that has the original rule of the tag team titles from the get-go and make it a singles title. There is no use for tag team wrestling in WWE, ever. They can't even get their men's tag team division right. You want these people to go out there and book women's tag team titles. They died as soon as Sasha Banks and Bayley won them. Speaking of the female locker room, Several in the women's locker room in WWE are reportedly frustrated with Vince McMahon's booking of female talent. You don't say! Wow! Color me shocked! I'd love to find out who these fucking people were backstage that got on Sasha Banks and Naomi's case for saying the same exact thing. Now you're seeing it firsthand, right? It's great. It's great. Sasha Banks and Naomi now justified as I know and knew they will be and would be. There was said to be some frustration among some of the women on the roster with how they've been booked and it had building, been building for a while. I, I wonder why Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out. Really? Fightful Select reported today. That frustration amongst the women had been building for months, and this includes people on the bottom, people at the top of the card. Several of the women were waiting to see where the chips would fall after WrestleMania. 
Oh, man. Having high hopes and that glimmer of hope in anything WWE management is going to do, man. That's your first mistake. That's your first mistake. They're waiting to see the chips fall after WrestleMania. Where are they going to fall after WrestleMania? Don't hold your breath, honey. Don't hold your breath. Your fucking show's being written by Bruce Pritchard, who actively hates women's wrestling. Those ships included Asuka, Lacey Evans, who are being featured on regular TV. Another ship is Charlotte Flair, who's taking time off. Sasha Banks and Naomi's departure opened up a couple of slots for other women as well. Another ship is Ronda Rousey, who returned a few months ago, and she is said to be more willing to work with a wider variety of women on the roster. WWE has been fitting more female talent on SmackDown in recent weeks, something that the women have been pushing for, but Fightful adds that this has happened with varying degrees of satisfaction. I mean, who do you see on the roster that's new? What have we gotten on SmackDown in the last couple weeks that has been new? Shotzi being added to Money in the Bank? Is that new? We haven't seen Shotzi on television since Money in the Bank. So please, what does this mean? Varying degrees of satisfaction. Who's satisfied? Where is this satisfaction coming from? What I want to know. Is Aaliyah satisfied? Is Aaliyah satisfied by trotting her out two weeks in a row while Lacey Evans bores us with more garbage via her character and promo work? Only for Aaliyah to stand out there, <laughs> standing out there looking all pretty. <laughs> Wondering if she's going to get to wrestle. And if she does, how long is it going to be? It may not last more than 90 seconds. What about Zia Lee? Where is Zia Lee? Does Zia Lee, does she end up satisfied that you used her in a Money in the Bank qualifying match against Lacey Evans and she lost in 90 seconds? Varying degrees of satisfaction. Clearly, most of the roster is dissatisfied unless you're Becky, unless you're Bianca, and unless you're Charlotte Flair, ready to come back and just do whatever the fuck she's got to do, Charlotte Flair. There's nobody satisfied here. Liv Morgan is satisfied right now. Liv Morgan's not going to be satisfied for long when they take that title off of her and put it on either Charlotte or back on Ronda. What about Monday Night Raw? Where's this varying degree of satisfaction coming on Monday Night Raw? Alexa Bliss? What has she done? She shouldn't even be on fucking television, man. She's fucking nauseating to look at. Who else is on Monday Night Raw that we care? Natalia, Shane. What happened to Shayna Baszler? What happened to Shayna Baszler? Shayna Baszler's been off TV. Where is she? What about Doe Drop? And Nikki Ash, didn't you start a storyline where Nikki Ash was going to drop the comic book character? She was going to drop her geek image because Dodrop was going to turn her to the dark side? What happened to that? Yeah, I'm sure they're satisfied with that, though, right? Give me a fucking break, man. The women's division sucks. It's awful. Even Bianca Belair, her run has stalled. Where's Sonya Deville? Sonia Deville is such a great character on television. Where is Sonia Deville? We got Lacey Evans fucking putting us to sleep on TV every fucking week. Where's Sonia Deville? I don't get it. Asuka out there dancing like a fucking geek. <laughs> Laughing like a clown out there. 
Oscar's not being booked, right? She's booked on TV to lose every fucking week. I don't know if she likes that, but I know she can't be satisfied. Of course people are upset. And then I got to hear from the fucking people on social media, why are you defending Sasha Banks and Naomi? They were unprofessional. WWE's treatment of the women and the creative on TV every week is unprofessional. Why am I standing with Sasha Banks and Naomi? Now you see why. Now you understand why they walked out. I don't hear, I don't hear people complaining about them walking out now. Everybody's wondering, Alexa Bliss, she should be better off on television. This one should be better off. This one should be better off. Bianca Belair, she's having a very, very mid-title reign. But you want to criticize Sasha Banks and Naomi for walking out? They walked out because they want to see things done better. They want to see things done right. They want to see the creative actually have some fucking effort put into it. That's why they walked out. People are upset with Vince McMahon now? But you shit all over Sasha Banks and Naomi for walking out though, right? You fucking break. Shit sucks. Shit sucks. Ronda Rousey was one of the worst champions of the modern era. This run. Boring. She had one of the worst feuds with Charlotte. Charlotte had one of the worst feuds of all time with Rhea Ripley. Bianca Belair was given a SmackDown title run, and it ended in 26 seconds. That's WWE's level of effort. What are they going to do when Charlotte comes back? What are they going to do when Bailey comes back? Everybody that you want to see on television, all the effort into building new women up on the roster, it is going to be erased because WWE's getting their fucking horsewomen back. You're going to have Becky and Bailey and Charlotte Back on television all at the same time. That's all WWE cares about. They don't give a fuck about a Shotzi or a Drop or a Nikki Ash or a Shayna Baszler or an Italia. They don't give a fuck about the Aaliyah, Zia Lee. They don't give a fuck about these women. I don't even know why they're even there. All they give a fuck about is if you are a major name. That's it. They don't give a shit about anything else. So that's when toxic attraction gets brought up to the main roster, then you're going to see maybe, maybe them get pushed at a high level because Mandy Rose, I don't know how anybody in that company on the management team, looks at Mandy Rose and doesn't want to push her just based off the way she looks. That's all they're about on the main roster, image. Then you got Gigi Dolan, half of her ass is hanging out every week, and JC Jane. They're all going to be pushed on television at a high level. They're going to be given a high priority. And then things may change. But that doesn't mean toxic attractions getting brought up to the main roster. Things are going to be better. WWE's only pushing them because Mandy Rose is blonde and she's a knockout 10 out of 10. That's all they give a fuck about. Everybody else that you want to see professionally wrestle and new characters being brought up, Dakota Kai and all these other fucking women that got fired, right? That should have been on the main roster. How can't you build a women's division around Dakota Kai and a Candice LeRae and an Ember Moon? They don't give a fuck. They don't care. They don't care. Who's going to make them most money? Who's got 
the biggest assets in the company. How? How can you sell yourself to our younger male demographic? That's all they care about. They don't care. It sucks. It's the brutal truth, but it's the facts. Now I got to hear that they're frustrated. No shit. The fans are fucking frustrated. WWE has been fitting more female talent on SmackDown. Sure. If you want to say it that way, sure. Additionally, there had been some unhappiness with Vince McMahon seemingly caring about squeezing himself onto television after the initial Wall Street Journal story, then making sure the female talent was booked and protected on the show. He showed up for 30 seconds. It's not that big of a deal, but yes, I get, I get where you're going with that. It's not like they gave him a fucking 15-minute segment on the show. He was out there for 30 seconds. But yes, I get where they're coming from. Unhappiness amongst the talent in the company is nothing new, and we've heard here at Fightful similar stories for years. The good news is that WWE seems to be doing more with female talent in recent months, and there was a long streak of women main eventing Raw up until this past week. Additionally, since the John Cena return episode, Vince McMahon has not appeared on TV again, and Liv Morgan has been elevated as a top star on SmackDown. Dot, dot, dots for now. All because the women are main eventing Monday Night Raw doesn't mean that the creative is getting better. The creative underneath all of that sucks. There's nothing to keep your interest there. Nothing. The women's division is in shambles. And now you see why Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out. Now you see. Now you understand, hopefully. So for all the people that criticize them and then read this story, now you know. Are you going to apologize for your haphazard fucking comments? Are you going to apologize for claiming that Sasha Banks and Naomi were unprofessional? No. No, you won't. You're too good for that because you can't be wrong. Sasha Banks and Naomi walked out for this very reason. Until things get better, then they don't want to be there. And by the looks of it, Sasha Banks is as good as gone. Good. Speaking of Vince McMahon, the Wall Street Journal reporters that leaked these stories or reported these stories, they were on Busted Open Radio to talk about their reports. So we got Joe Palazzo and Ted Mann of the Wall Street Journal. They were on Busted Open Radio not too long ago discussing their coverage of the Vince McMahon WWE investigation. On June 15th, Joe Palazzo and Ted Mann reported that WWE was investigating McMahon following a hush-packed allegation that you obviously know about. This led to Vince McMahon stepping away from his positions as WWE CEO and chairman. Palazzo and Mann and Joe Flint of the Wall Street Journal shared a new report on July 8th indicating that Vince McMahon has paid over $12 million in hush money over the past 16 years to suppress allegations of sexual misconduct and infidelity, including a $7.5 million payment to a former WWE wrestler. Palazzo and Mann were both interviewed by Busted Open Radio. Both Palazzo and Mann explained why it was important to them to cover the investigation. Palazzo said, So, sources told us it was in April that WWE's board was investigating this $3 million agreement with a woman who worked for Vince McMahon, and so it basically took from April until we basically published our story to firm all that up 
get additional sources and understand what it was the board was doing. Well, a couple of reasons that we decided to cover the story. First of all, Wall Street Journal covers public companies. WWE is a public company. This clearly is a governance issue, right? We write for investors. And when your board of directors is investigating something like this, and I mean, it's pretty interesting. So the board, which is right now a 12-member board, and four of those members are insiders, meaning that they work for the company, and then the eight are independent. But when it comes down to it, Vince McMahon controls the company, essentially. So there's governance issue. It's important for our readers to understand what's going on. And then we sort of knew that these allegations, while the company is saying this is a consensual relationship that he had with this woman, we started hearing about other issues that were not so consensual. So, you know, we feel like these are things that need to be reported as well. Then we get Ted Mann. He gets in there and says, and I will just add one thing to that. As Joe said, it's a public company and we're operating in an environment where there is very little tolerance for any sort of relationship of this type between CEO or an executive or someone who is a subordinate, even if it's consensual because the power dynamic that exists is something that has to be proved to be really dangerous for the more subordinate person in the company. And so that's one of the ways in which all public companies have been representing that they're not really going to allow things like this to be swept under the rug anymore. And certainly in this case, when there's something that was a total secret from the board, some members of the board for a long time, we find it interesting, and that makes us want to go digging and find out more. Good. Continue to dig. Continue to dig. I'm sure that man has several more skeletons that you can't even imagine in his closet. So Palazzo and Man noted that they found some of the details of the second report quote-unquote, horrifying. So Ted Mann says, Joe, maybe I don't want to speak for you, but as we were reporting what settlement agreements were existent, the fact that there was one for $7.5 million was fairly eye-popping. That's a figure that, you know, in the murky world of NDAs, clearly suggests a big secret being kept And that was one of the red flags that seemed odd to us that we had to get to the bottom of what that was and what it was for. Palazzo then said, yeah, I totally agree with Ted. Finding out that there was a $7.5 million agreement was really surprising. I mean, it shocked us. The details are pretty horrifying, quite frankly. To coerce a sex act to then basically drive someone out of the company because they refused further advances, as this woman has alleged. That's all pretty terrible behavior. I think that, yes, I think that it's probably not done, and we're continuing to report. So, yeah, end quote. Well, I can just say we don't know of another $7.5 million NDA if that's what so-and-so and... and You know, whoever reports, Palazzo responded when asked if similar allegations are going to be covered. All I'm saying is if you're asking that there's something bigger than 7.5, they went on to say no. They don't believe that there's a bigger number than 7.5 million. No, that's not something we have in our back pocket. We sort of left it all out on the field in this story. And there's a couple of things that we that we didn't really, you know, get to report. But, you know, it's there. 
Mann goes on to finally say, Ted Mann, and sometimes it's a case as happened in similar scandals where uh, elsewhere that there are people who have something to share who become a little bit more emboldened to talk about it once some of the first coverage has happened. And you know, we are still working to figure out if there are such people out there. So I find that to be quite interesting, man. The fact that the, the big thing that I pick up on, you know, that $7.5 million, you know, we were all talking about, you know, Vince McMahon, hush money, $3 million here, $3 million there, $3 million to whoever over, uh, you know, $12 million total over 16 years. Th- that's fine. That's fine. Vince McMahon's a scumbag. But the $7.5 million agreement that he paid this woman to remain silent, firing her after she did not want to engage in sexual relations with Vince McMahon, promising her a renewal of her contract, never happened. Ultimately fired her, paid her $7.5 million to keep her quiet all these years. That's something that the board of directors cannot sit there and take lightly. So I'm on Palazzo and Mann's team. I hope that they continue to uncover more shit like this. I hope that they continue to add more dirt on top of his potential grave. This is what's best for the company. To get him out of that company is the best thing for not only the company, but for the entire fucking fan base of the company. Good. He doesn't give a shit about anything but himself. And now all of this is coming right back to him. Good. I'm glad to see it. And with every story, there will be more stories to come out this week. There will be more stories to come out this week. That's what I read today. They are just waiting for the right time. More stories have been found. The talent even reacted to Vince McMahon's investigation this week by the Wall Street Journal. Melcher talked a bit about this on Wrestling Observer Live. A new report from the Wall Street Journal has indicated that Vince McMahon has paid over $12 million in hush money. You guys know the deal. Melcher said, I heard from a couple of talent backstage, a, a total variety of views. It wasn't like there was one view or anything. It was actually three totally different views. One person was saying, you know, you get into, you know what you get into when you get into the business. That's what one person told Melcher. Another person said Vince didn't sell it and nobody's really talking about it because you don't want to talk about it because if someone hears you talking about it, then it gets you in trouble and nobody needs that. One person was concerned in the sense of they felt that it's one thing to pay money if you're trying to hide an affair or something like that. But once it becomes coercion it and it once ties into the business and work and demotion and things like that, then it becomes a really concerning issue. I'm sure there are 20 other viewpoints as well. I didn't get a sense at all of a prevailing viewpoint, says Dave Meltzer. So you go from somebody saying, yeah, it's what you get when you get into the business, kind of brushing it off. Like that talent that spoke to Meltzer pretty much said, you know what you're getting into when you get into the wrestling business, and that's the, that's the nature of the wrestling business. So he pretty much no-sold it. Then the other person said, don't talk about it. If they hear you talking about it, then you fuck. So the more concerned take on the entire Vince McMahon story and then one very concerned person was when you get into you know the business and tying that into business and it becomes coercion and then demotion and firing and all that stuff and you're paying money to keep somebody quiet because of that then it becomes a really concerning issue so you go you go from no selling it 
to being very straight, straight edge and walking the line, not talking about it, to very worried. Doing what's right and doing what's wrong. So that's what Meltzer said. It's all over the it's all over the company. And there's nothing anybody can do about it until the board of directors continues and finalizes their investigation. When it ends, I don't know. I don't know. But it's going to be a talking point throughout the rest of the year. And I can only hope that they can continue to uncover more and more and more and more on Vince McMahon because I can't wait to see the fall of that man. And for us, as fans of the company and fans of the brand, on Monday and Friday, I honestly think him being there would actually be better for everybody involved. Friday Night SmackDown, man. Apparently, we got the maximum male models going into your weekly wrestling news here. We got the maximum male models on Friday, this coming Friday. They are going to do yet another uh, collection of something. I forgot what it was. They did the tennis collection, the beachwear collection. I think they're doing beachwear collection next week. In the flyer or the graphic that we saw on SmackDown, it was described to us that we will meet, soon meet, Max Dupree's sister, Maxine Dupree. So they introduced Maxine Dupree, and apparently eagle-eyed fans noticed that the official Maximum Male Models Twitter account already read all tweets by Maxine Dupree by the time of the announcement. Speculation is already in overdrive as to who is Maxine Dupree. Many fans on Twitter are sharing that they think Maxine Dupree is NXT uh, NXT UK superstar Ginny. They think Ginny from NXT UK is Maxine Dupree. It would fit. I think that's a very good guess by the sleuths on social media. Ginny also is engaged to Gunther. So I could see Gunther and his standing in the company now wanting his his future wife to be a part of the brand. So they figured, well, if we got to bring Ginny to the show, Ginny had a gimmick of, you know, very fashion forward. Maybe we bring Ginny to SmackDown and have Ginny be a part of Max Dupree and the Maximum Male Models, and we'll just rename her Maxine Dupree. Or maybe Eli Drake and Drag. Who the fuck knows? Knowing Bruce Prichard, that's exactly what they'll go and do. But speculation right now is all towards Ginny. The evidence being cited includes Ginny's real-life relationship with Gunther and the NXT UK gimmick already having a very fashion-forward focus. Don't let Ginny's social media presence fool you. Uh, While she features in an interviewer role and as a co-host for the WWE show The Run-In, she is herself an accomplished performer in the ring. Fans may recall having seen Ginny in the 2018 May Young Classic feuding with Rhea Ripley and then Piper Niven, now Dodrop in NXT UK, or more recently, an NXT UK Women's Championship match against Mako Satomura, in which she was unsuccessful in winning the championship. Ginny's been off television since late January when she beats uh, Amale via pinfall. I don't watch NXT UK. I have no idea who Tamale is on NXT UK television. Um, I think that's I think that's a great guess 
by the sleuths on social media. Really, I think that's a great guess. Who it is, I don't know. But if I had to, if I had to make a logical guess, I honestly think that it would fit best if it is Ginny. Now, I don't really give a shit with the gimmick at all. I don't give a shit about the maximum male models at all. I think anybody that's associated with the fucking gimmick is going to die a thousand deaths. But maybe, maybe she makes it work out. I have no fucking idea. So we'll see what happens on Friday night. We'll see if Ginny makes her debut on Friday night smack. Big E. Big E has provided an update, promising update, on his recovery after suffering a broken neck in March. He spoke with ESPN. And he noted that he's grateful that doctors have said that he will make a complete recovery. It was noted that he is expected to be out of action for at least a full year from the date of his original injury. The New Day member reflected on his recovery, recalling a doctor previously telling him that his injury could have led to a stroke, paralysis, or even death. It's very sobering to hear that. I think that to be great at something like pro wrestling, or at least be competent, you can't spend all your time worrying about possibly having fatal injuries or breaking your neck. You have to go out there and be free in that moment. I think a lot of us performers don't spend a lot of time thinking about that stuff. I never thought I would be. You know, he makes a point, but it's going to be a, it's going to be very different from when he gets back, man. There's going to be there's going to be and and Biggie is such a fucking role model for positivity. He he really is, man. I wish I had a tenth of the fucking positivity that that Biggie has and, and the strength that Biggie has. I, I can't I can't imagine what, what he's going through, but it's going to be it's going to be a very different situation, you know, when you never had anything even remotely close like that happening to you and then it happens to you. You might not be thinking about it and, and like he said you got to be free in that moment and you you can't worry about that type of thing. But when it happens to you and then you get back in there, I wonder what his mental state is going to be. I really do. I I would assume that now that it's happened to him and he suffered the worst of the worst injuries in pro wrestling. He's going to get back in there and then try and get back on that bike again, all over again, starting from day one. I wonder what his mental state's going to be knowing that he's already been through the worst. Is it going to happen again? What can I do to prevent it happening again? It's crazy. It's really good. It's really going to be tough. It's going to be tough for him. So he goes on to say, He's thankful for everybody that reached out to him during his recovery. Biggie said, honestly, it hasn't been a dark period. I'm so thankful for all the people who checked in on me and reached out who have concerns. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying every day is the greatest ever for me, but I really haven't struggled with that type of stuff. Biggie went on to note that he doesn't feel any animosity towards Rich Holland, confirming that he and Holland have spoken since the incident. I have no issue whatsoever with Rich. He reached out. He said some very kind things. What we do is dangerous, but there are inherent dangers. And to that degree, we all kind of know what we sign up for, and it was unfortunate that it went down that way. But I'm not dead. I'm alive. I'm doing well. He also revealed that Rich Holland sent him a package of red meat as an apology, but Big E uh, doesn't eat red meat. He gave the package to a friend, and he and his family had many nights of great feasts. Biggie was also asked by TMZ if he would be content if his wrestling career was over. He responded by saying this, and I quote, Yeah, I think so. Honestly, my philosophy as a human being is learning to be content with whatever life brings you. I'm so grateful to not be in a wheelchair, but if I was, 
I would have to adjust to life in a wheelchair. That's just how I'm programmed. If I spend hours or days or weeks kind of mourning where I am in life and not being what I wanted to be, that doesn't serve me. What a, what a, what a role model, man, really. I, I mean, uh, again, I can't even imagine being in those situations and being positive about the outlook on life, and here he is just, you know, so free of, of that and free of that worry and being content if his wrestling career was over. If I, if I ended up in a wheelchair, I'd got to get used to life being in a wheelchair. It's crazy, man. He'll be back. He'll be back. It's going to be very interesting to watch his recovery and watch him get back, and hopefully his mental state is okay, man. I can't. I, again, like I said, I can't see it being something where he gets back in that ring and he's just ready to go on day one, man. There's got to be some, it's gotta be some nerves. There's got to be some, some fear in there. But I wish him nothing but the best, man. WWE could certainly use somebody like Big E back on television, but his health obviously is first and foremost. Bianca Belair. She said, I didn't feel I was able to live up to the full potential as SmackDown Women's Champion. No shit. No shit. You won the title in April, and they took it off of you in August at SummerSlam in 26 seconds. Of course you didn't get to live up to your full potential. They took it away from you, but you'll never mention that, right? She was interviewed on the Corner Podcast. I don't know who these people are and how they get these interviews, but they interviewed Bianca Belair. She reflected on her reign as the SmackDown Women's Champion last year. So she says, no, it's difficult. And I get it's frustrating for me sometimes. Even with my SmackDown title reign, I didn't feel I was able to live up to the full potential of SmackDown Women's Champion with how short the title reign was. And also with my feuds, Bailey getting injured, which I can't wait for Bailey to come back. Carmella having to step in at SummerSlam. Not being able to have these amazing matches that I could have had in my title reign and being able to go up against all the really, really great competitors to prove that I'm champion. And then it get cut short. Fast forward, it's like deja vu. It's happening all over again. My competitors that I'm supposed to have, I'm not having. It's so frustrating. But I try to look at it as I have to adapt, and it's making me a better competitor and making me stay on my toes. WWE, fuck Bianca Belair up. That, that's what they did. That whole title reign was a complete fail. They wasted everything that Sasha Banks and, and Bianca Belair did at WrestleMania for Becky Lynch at 26 seconds at SummerSlam. That's what they did. Her reign lasted up until SummerSlam. She was supposed to wrestle Sasha Banks, she had to pull out due to not being medically cleared. Nobody knows. COVID, maybe. I don't know. Carmella took her place and was defeated. Moments later, Becky Lynch made a surprise return, quickly beat Belair for the title in 26 seconds. And then they ran it back again at WrestleMania 38 this year, and it was one of the best matches that I think either women have had, and Belair beat Lynch to become the Raw Women's Champion. Now I'm going to be very curious to see what they do at SummerSlam. What are they going to do at SummerSlam? It looks like they're building Becky versus... Bianca Belair again at SummerSlam. That's the going rumor right now. Now, if WWE is smart, they would not repeat what they did last year at SummerSlam. Becky Lynch does not need the title. I do not think that Becky Lynch needs the Raw Women's Championship. If anything needs to happen, Bianca needs to solidly get that win. The win over Becky at SummerSlam is going to be a bigger win over Becky at WrestleMania. Just because of the fucking negative feel that still resonates from SummerSlam last year in Las Vegas and her losing in 26 seconds. 
That is my feeling there. The match at SummerSlam with Becky, if it happens, is bigger than the match at WrestleMania just because of the 26-second bullshit stunt that WWE pulled. Becky Lynch does not need to beat Bianca Belair. Can you imagine? Can you imagine them taking the title of Bianca again at SummerSlam? Becky doesn't need the title. Becky and Ronda is probably your end goal for WrestleMania. I don't know if that's going to have a title attached to it. I don't think it needs a title attached to it. For all we know, Ronda will be the SmackDown Women's Champion going into WrestleMania next year because that's what they think is best for business. Becky wins the Royal Rumble, and she challenges Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. We don't need Becky to be Raw Women's Champion. We don't. Becky could win at Royal Rumble and then get Ronda regardless. We don't need Becky to win the Raw Women's Championship handcuffing that division and then taking food off of everybody else's table because she's Becky Lynch. We don't need that. The rumor was Becky was supposed to win Money in the Bank. Becky was supposed to get a match with Bianca Belair at SummerSlam as Miss Money in the Bank. The rumor also said that Becky Lynch was going to fail against Bianca, try and cash in her briefcase, and then cash in against Ronda and lose against Ronda, creating this angle and this storyline where Becky is deep into depression. She can't win a match. She starts to win matches again. She wins the Royal Rumble. She gets Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania, and she beats Ronda for whatever title, if there is a title, on the line at WrestleMania. So Ronda Rousey, in the middle of all of this, went to WWE Creative and said, that doesn't really work for me. Why do we need Becky to hold the Money in the Bank briefcase when the end goal is Ronda, me, and Becky at WrestleMania, and we can still get Becky at WrestleMania without having her be Miss Money in the Bank? Why are we wasting a cash-in on the Money in the Bank briefcase when we can use that for good and build up somebody else? Why don't we give it to somebody else that could use it, cashing in on me? I'm going to be fine. I'll do what I got to do at the end of the year. If you guys want to book me in a championship match, so be it. Let's get somebody else on the rise here to win the briefcase, and let me put them over winning the championship. Ronda says, we don't need Becky as Miss Money in the Bank. If you want to get me and Becky at WrestleMania, why do we need to give her a title match and then a cash-in fail and then waste money in the bank? Why don't we just give it to Liv Morgan? So that's how that all came about. But Bianca Belair, I mean, of course your SmackDown title run failed. Of course it failed. Not only because of Becky Lynch and the the effort that WWE did not put into making that special, they could have had them go out there and kill it for 20 minutes. They didn't want Becky to go out there in 20 minutes. They wanted to shock the world. But it also goes down to the creative. This is WWE once again, and what we talked about before, the creative for the women is fucking garbage. Nobody cares. So they do what they do, and they just skate by with barely any effort. But Bianca, you know, she's not going to come out outwardly and say, yeah, the company's creative sucks. That's why you had a lackluster run at SmackDown Women's Champion. 26 seconds doesn't bode well for anybody, no matter who you are. AEW Dynamite News. Matt Jackson injured. He was hurt in the title match on Wednesday as they lost the tag team titles to Swerve in Our Glory. Matt Jackson suffered a, suffered a stinger in the match. Uh, Brian Alvarez noted this on The Observer this week. About three or four minutes into the match, Matt Jackson got a stinger. If you watch the match from that point on, 
it happened. What had happened was, it's one of those things that people are talking about because there are so many injuries, but dude, I'm telling you, 80% of these injuries are on, are on things that nobody should be getting hurt from doing. When he got hurt, and what he got hurt on was Keith Lee and Will Hobbs gave him a basic vertical suplex, and when he fell, you could see it immediately. He hit ass first, then his head snapped back, and he was grabbing his neck. From that point forward, he was being super careful on all of his bumps. Dave Meltzer also added that Matt's been dealing with neck problems for years due to his in-ring style. I don't know. I don't know what had happened on Wednesday, man. We'll, we'll find out as the weeks go on. I don't want to sit here and say that that was the reason that they called a potential audible. For all we know, maybe Swerve and our glory was supposed to win the tag team championships. I have no idea. I don't know. But it doesn't really bode well for the tag team titles to, you know, have... And I don't know what the issue was there. Maybe Swerve and our glory was, was supposed to win the tag team titles. Maybe. Because if you go back to the rumor mill with the Hardys and the Young Bucks and the Jurassic Express in that triple threat match, that ladder match, Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy got taken out of the match because Jeff got arrested. They were supposed to win the tag team titles. The Hardy boys were supposed to win the tag team titles in that ladder match. They were supposed to be tag team champions. I don't really suspect the Hardys to hold the tag team titles coming out of that match for long. Maybe they were going to drop the tag team titles to a team like Swerve in Our Glory. And the Young Bucks in that moment were picked, chosen to win those titles, to drop the titles to Swerve in Our Glory because the Hardys were supposed to win them. And they wanted a title change in that match. And clearly they didn't want Jurassic Express holding the championships anymore because of whatever they're doing now and moving the story forward, Christian and Luchasaurus turning him heel and Jungle Boy going solo. There's a lot of varying different things that happened here with Swerve and Our Glory win the winning the tag team titles. Maybe they were supposed to win the tag team titles. Maybe the Young Bucks were never supposed to be tag team champions. They were just there because it was in the moment. So I hope he's all right. And we'll see what happens. I foresee that this tag team title run is not going to be long because Swerve and Keith Lee have been having internal problems, and this may be used to turn Swerve heel and break them up as a team and continue that storyline moving forward between both of those guys. So we'll see what happens with both of them on AEW Dynamite. Speaking of injuries, Adam Cole. Adam Cole will not be having surgery to repair a torn labrum. I think this could be looked at as good news. AEW is dealing with a lot of injuries right now, including Adam Cole who's got two separate injuries, a torn labrum and a concussion coming out of the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. Cole had been on the sidelines while healing up a torn labrum. He hadn't wrestled since the Owen Hart Cup Foundation Men's Tournament Final at Double or Nothing against Samoa Joe. He did beat Samoa Joe, and he opted to stay off TV, or not, in, not stay off TV, but not wrestle on TV, and work the IWGP World Heavyweight Title Fatal 4 match at Forbidden Door. In that match, Cole suffered what is being said to be a very serious concussion. There's no time frame for his return from injury uh, as he still needs to be cleared. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer reported that Adam Cole decided not to undergo surgery for his torn labrum. Instead, he's going to do therapy for the time being and is staying optimistic with the therapy. So I, I wish him nothing but the best, man, to have CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, Andrade's out with injury now, apparently. Buddy Matthews is out with injury. Uh, there's a lot of injuries, man. I know I'm missing a whole plethora of people, but 
I mean, Punk, Brian, and Cole, that would cripple any wrestling promotion. But the fact that AEW is still standing tall and hasn't really missed a beat, it goes to show you with what Tony Khan is doing, it's working. So imagine them at full strength. Imagine when they get back all their top talent, how power MJF is out. He's not even hurt. He's just out selling the angle. How many top guys are out? Imagine when everybody is back at AEW on television, man. Imagine how powerful that they're going to be. So hopefully the therapy works for Adam Cole, man. I miss him. Speaking of AEW on Wednesday's Dynamite, we got the barbed wire death match between Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. Speaking on the Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer discussed the crossover with Discovery, who merged with Warner Media earlier this year to become Warner Brothers Discovery. They wanted some kind of Shark Week gimmick match because you can't have live sharks on television. AEW decided that they will have people in shark cages, so they came up with the shark cage idea and the barbed wire stipulation. So we're going to have a bloodbath on TV. Well, they do that anyway, but the shark thing, I guess, is the gimmick having to do with Shark Week. Discovery asked them to do a tie-in, and so they came up with the match to do the tie-in. That's a week, uh, next week, uh, a week from this uh, past Wednesday. That's happening on Wednesday's Dynamite with the barbed wire death match and the shark cage. The JAS will be in the shark cage above the ring. Here, I thought they were going to do a first blood match. I legitimately thought that they were going to do a first blood match. Whoever makes the first, per- whoever makes their opponent bleed first, wins the match. They went completely. They went completely over the top. We're doing a barbed wire fucking everywhere match. And the JIS are going to be in the shark cages above. Goes to show you that Warner Brothers uh, Discovery, man, they're really on board with AEW. They're okaying a barbed wire death match in light of Shark Week. So for all the geeks out there that say Warner Brothers Discovery are going to cancel AEW, they're seemingly okay with them doing a fucking barbed wire bloody death match on Wednesday. Shove it up your pee hole, geeks. Shut the fuck up, man. They are just fine. Dave Meltzer updated on Brian Danielson's situation. AEW President Tony Khan is not rushing to clear Brian Danielson because of his history of concussions. Khan told the New York Post that Danielson was feeling great a few weeks ago on the day of the Road Rager show, but he was not feeling as well eight days before the Forbidden Door pay-per-view. Danielson apparently is doing much better, according to Dave Meltzer. Meltzer said the following during his appearance on Sunday night's main event. What I can tell you guys is Brian is fine, but he's not clear to wrestle yet, and Tony Khan is not going to rush him back. I guess that uh, that report that Meltzer put out that it was a very serious concussion, Tony Khan didn't really appreciate that, so he had to kind of reel Meltzer in and tell him, bro, can you just go out there and not scare everybody to fucking death that Brian's never going to wrestle again, please? He'll be fine, and we're not going to rush him back. I'm not going to clear him until he's 100% cleared by our doctors. Melcher scared everybody. Oh, my God, it's so serious. So then he had a backtrack on it, and he put out a proper statement in regards to Brian Danielson. Did the AEW dark tapings coming up spoil the results of the Ring of Honor world title match at Death Before Dishonor? We got sources coming out of the dark tapings, photos of Jonathan Gresham from his entrance walking out without the Ring of Honor world title. 
Now, Jonathan Gresham is the Ring of Honor world, uh, world champion. He's going to be defending that world title at death before dishonor against Claudio. Some fans have picked up on the fact that Gresham is seen without the Ring of Honor world title, and that would mean, potentially, if we see these tapings air after death before dishonor, it would mean that he's dropping the title to Claudio at Ring of Honor, death before dishonor. Actually, this is not a sign of anything because Ring of Honor Women's World Champion Mercedes Martinez also did not wear her belt. In the mid-90s, WCW would tape weeks of worldwide episodes in one weekend, and sometimes wrestlers would appear with the titles that they had not won yet on pay-per-view. It looks like that is not what Khan is doing here. Win or lose at the pay-per-view, he just decided to not have wrestlers wear titles at tapings that will air after the pay-per-view. But it's going to get people talking. It's going to get people talking regardless. So uh, we will see what happens. Honestly, in my honest opinion, even if this is just a happenstance and Tony Khan did not want them walking out there with the championships, I do think Claudio is the right winner. And I do think Serena Deeb is the right winner. I do. So no matter if they came out without the championships or not, I think that either Claudio winning that championship is the right decision or Serena Deeb winning that championship is the right decision, or both winning those championships. It is the right decision. So I hope that is the case. If, if Tony Khan wants Ring of Honor to be um, a little bit better off than when he bought the company and he wants to make it as attractive for advertisers, Claudio winning the world championship is going to do just that. He's not going to get any sort of TV deal with Jonathan Gresham as the world champion. If he's thinking about streaming and a TV rights deal, and getting Ring of Honor back up and running, you're going to have to have people in place for that to happen. Claudio and Serena Deeb, Samoa Joe, FTR, those are, those are talents in place to really, to really state your case. Look at what I got here. Look at what I got here. I'm very excited about this Ring of Honor death before this tournament. FTR and the Briscoes, two out of three falls. Mercedes Martinez versus Serena Deeb for the Ring of Honor world title. Daniel Garcia versus Wheeler Yuta for the pure title. Gresham versus Claudio for the world title. Joe versus Lethal for the TV title. And probably some other surprises. Tony Khan's always got a surprise. You know he's going to have a surprise for this show. It's going to be great. It's already worth its weight in whatever they're selling, man. But that FTR and Briscoe's match. Two out of three falls. Two recently released NXT stars debuted at the upcoming AEW Dark tapings. This is also from the same sources that revealed about Gresham and Mercedes Martinez not coming out with titles. Cole Carter was there. This is Troy Two Dimes Donovan of NXT. They they killed him off on the show. They had Tony D'Angelo throw him into the fucking East River and he swam with the fishes. So Cole Carter debuted with AEW. Carter was released from the company reportedly due to a policy violation uh, it was later revealed that it was a failed drug test for steroids. But they fired him immediately after uh, that was found out. And normally you have three strikes to fail a drug test in WWE. First you get 30 days. Second day you get, second time you get 60 days. And then the third you're just fired. They immediately fired him after a first violation. So that means to me that they wanted to get rid of him and they just used that as an excuse to get rid of him for whatever reason. The other one, the other one who made his debut was Parker Boudreaux. Parker Boudreaux made his debut at the dark tapings as well. 
And this is what I'm going to keep my eye on, man. Parker Boudreaux debuted at the AW Dark Tapings coming up. I believe he is under the name of Parker Boudreaux. He was a big signing for WWE. He had the backing of management. He had the backing of Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman went on record publicly to say that he's the next coming of Brock Lesnar. When Paul Heyman states something like that, you know it's going to be a big deal. WWE released him after pairing him with Joe Gacy. They put him in this fucking shit stable that they have. He was a henchman for Joe Gacy. He had one match on TV, I believe. Nothing really special about it. And then they sent him back to the Performance Center. They reevaluated him and determined that he wasn't up to speed. They cut him because he wasn't up to where he needed to be as far as his training is concerned. But yet, somehow, Lash Legend is still on TV. Half of the people that are on TV now don't even know what the fuck they're doing. Half of that women's division doesn't even know what the fuck they're doing. But they want to release somebody with the mainstream appeal of Parker Boudreaux. I don't get it. And I said this then, and I'm going to say it now. He was a part of the NIL program. He didn't have any pro wrestling background. They brought him in, and he was a part. He was like the, the poster boy for the NIL, the next in line program for WWE. They brought him in, hoping that he would be this big superstar over the next few years. Next WrestleMania main event, the next Brock Lesnar in the making, right? They ended up releasing him, and it's cited that his work rate wasn't up to where it needed to be. So now he's back on the independent circuit, or he's now on the independent circuit. He had no prior wrestling experience whatsoever. And now he's on the independent circuit, and now he's working for AEW, part of the dark tapings. So now he goes from next in line to being somebody that WWE wanted to bring on in to mold into the next superstar that had no prior wrestling experience to now sending him off into the wild to become an independent professional wrestler. So the next in line program is a crock of shit. So Parker Boudreaux now is going to be an independent professional wrestler. Parker Boudreaux is going to be something that WWE doesn't want to sign. They don't really have aspirations of signing independent talent anymore. Or maybe Triple H changes that. Now with Stephanie in charge. There was a rumor that Triple H is now going to be signing uh, independent wrestling talent and giving tryouts to independent talent that want to be a part of the WWE program. But Parker Boudreaux is now an independent professional wrestler. If they bring him back and have any interest in signing him again, right, they're going to let Tony Khan do all the work because that's where I see him ending up. He's working for MLW now as well, I believe. He made a debut in a battle royal over on MLW. So he's getting his work in, and he's getting his feet wet on the independent scene. If WWE has any interest in bringing him back, and if he gets better and gets up to where he needs to be, and they want to bring him back, the NIL program, Parker Boudreaux would make a complete failure out of the NIL program just by himself. WWE would be saying, yeah, it's a crock of shit. How many people from that NIL program are really going to make it? Out of 100 people, maybe one, two people make it. They're expecting them to get what they need to get done by working in the performance center. After six months, we'll evaluate you. If you're not caught up to speed, you're fired. Parker Boudreaux should not have been a part of that. Now he's working on AEW Dark. Clearly, Jim Ross loves him. Jim Ross loves Parker Boudreaux. And I can't see how AEW doesn't pick him up and give him some sort of contract. I don't understand why they would let him go. 
If AEW wants to bring in Parker Boudreaux, seriously, this is just me winging it. If AEW wants to bring in Parker Boudreaux and they want to make him into something and they want to, they want to train him because they see the potential that WWE clearly didn't want to see in him, bring him to television, he would fit absolutely perfect into the House of Black. He would. He would fit perfect into the House of Black. Give him that starting foundation, man. Imagine bringing Parker Boudreaux, pairing him with Malachi and Buddy Matthews and Brody King and having him learn from them. Imagine that. I think that'd be fantastic. That would be fucking great. You know, the House of Black is all dark and spooky and they got the smoke and all this other fucking, you know, uh, death innuendo. But the tattoos and the vibe and the fucking violence that they bring, he would fit perfect into that. He would fit perfect into that. That's something that I hope that they go and explore. So we'll see what happens, man. It's going to be interesting. I may actually have to watch Dark to see how he, to see how he performs in the next couple of weeks. I'm excited about this. I think it's going to be great. Moving on, man. We got some more AEW news. Um... Actually, no, we don't. Right into NXT. There was a story in NXT. Triple H not directly involved in NXT after saying he was back in the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. Dave Meltzer reported that it appeared to just mean he's back working in the office, per the report. Triple H has not been doing anything directly with NXT, which is still being run by Bruce Pritchard. And Vince McMahon. Everything goes through Bruce Pritchard. Everything. Everything is finalized by Bruce Pritchard. Triple H is there, but he's in the office. That's why he said he's back. He's back full-time in the office. Shawn Michaels is working for NXT, but he's nothing more than a puppet doing what Bruce Pritchard asks him to do. He's a puppet on strings, is Shawn Michaels. WWE has given more responsibilities to him since returning to the office where he's now working full-time. Since Triple H has stepped back from the brand in September due to the heart issues, NXT has undergone various changes both in front of the camera and behind the scenes while Michaels runs NXT, uh, supposedly. Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard overall see the final product. Pritchard was recently also named head of talent relations as a temporary replacement for John Laurinaitis. So, Triple H, man, you know, uh, I got this running gag on Tuesday nights. How many more weeks until Triple H is back in charge after saying he was back? Clearly, according to Dave Meltzer, he's only back in the office. But I have within good reason to say that Triple H did hold a talent meeting with everybody back in NXT at the Performance Center when he did state that he was back. And I heard from sources that I know that he pretty much buried the direction of NXT 2.0. Pretty much insinuating that NXT 2.0 sucks. And that if he was back, things would be a lot different. One can only dream. One can only dream. WWE also has plans for Nikita Lyons. Big plans. Roxanne Perez, uh, you know, on Wednesday. Or not Wednesday, Tuesday. uh, She lost her world championship match to Mandy Rose. And Meltzer talked about these plans with Nikita Lyons. And plans are to eventually crown Nikita Lyons as NXT Women's Champion. Over Mandy Rose. Meltzer also put over Perez as someone who should be holding the title at some point. Roxanne Perez should be the person, Meltzer said. She's young. She's good. She's charismatic. She'd be a good one to win that championship, Meltzer added. I know that there was talk of Nikita Lyons winning 
but not for a long time, not right now. So clearly, you could see why Nikita Lyons is liked by WWE management. They feel like her in-ring work is improving. She's very marketable. She's got great social media presence. She's a beautiful woman. So if all of these things eventually come together, then I could see them giving Nikita Lyons absolutely the women's championship. In fact, since Roxanne lost the championship opportunity against Mandy Rose, I could see Nikita Lyons being the next in line to take the title of Mandy Rose before we even end the year. I really do. I would have done things a lot differently on Tuesday night. I would have not had Cora Jade turn on Roxanne Perez. I would have had Roxanne Perez beat Mandy Rose. I would have had Roxanne Perez win the women's championship. I would have called up the Toxic Attraction girls to the main roster. I would have had Roxanne Perez and Cora Jade start to deteriorate over a couple weeks of television and then pull the switch, then pull the trigger on Cora Jade Silter. They did it, and it didn't make any sense on Tuesday. They just legitimately won the tag team titles on Tuesday, Last week, and then this week, they broke up. Doesn't make any sense. But Nikita Lyons is going to be your next women's champion. No doubt about it. That's my prediction. Nikita Lyons is going to be your next women's champion. Io Shirai. Io Shirai. Is she willing to stay in WWE if they offer her a main roster contract? I don't know. I think that's... uh, I don't know if that's a smart decision there, Io. So... There were rumors reporting that she was pretty much gone from WWE. Shirai debunked these rumors because she has to, because she's still employed by the company. She reported, or she took to Twitter to report herself on these reports, and she simply tweeted rumors with a puke emoji. It's what I usually look like during Monday Night Raw. In the latest edition of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, Dave Meltzer reported that those in NXT were aware of the belief that Shirai wanted to return to Japan and they knew she wanted to go back to stardom because of the stronger financial backing from Bushiroad, the parent company of New Japan Pro Wrestling. Meltzer noted that, Meltzer noted that those close to the situation and close to stardom did not indicate she was coming back, although they did believe she would be back in Japan if she wasn't on the main roster. People close to her from Japan said she went to WWE with the goal of making the main roster and believed she would stay with a main roster deal. There's no word yet on if she signed a new deal, but if there is an offer on the table and her current deal hasn't expired yet, that remains to be seen. Shirai has been out of action since April with an injury, last wrestling in a fatal four-way match at Stand and Deliver. Now, this is getting interesting. This is getting interesting, man. Is WWE even going to offer Io Shirai a main roster spot? If they willingly let that... Listen, this is all I will say on this because this is, this is exactly the basis of WWE's effort to the women's division. Io Shirai should be a face of either Raw or SmackDown. Everybody agrees with that. Everybody understands that Io is great. She's great. That woman should be a face of the division. Now, is WWE going to offer a main roster deal? Or are they just willingly going to let the best female wrestler wrestler in their, in their entire company walk out of the company? That's what I want to know. This is going to be all you need to know about WWE's vision of women's professional wrestling. She should be the face of that entire division on Monday and Friday night. She's as good as anybody in the world. Are they going to willingly give her a new deal and want her on the main roster, or are they going to let her walk after now reports 
are, are out that she may stay on the main roster or, or may stay with the WWE if she's got a spot on the main roster. It's going to be very interesting if they do nothing about it. Why would you let that woman walk? Why would you let that woman walk? She'll walk right into Tony Khan's arms. Because you know Tony Khan. You know, there were rumors of AEW and Stardom potentially having a partnership. Or at least they were in discussion for a partnership. In talks for a partnership. Can you imagine Tony Khan brings in Io Shirai and then also allows her to work Stardom? She'll get the best of both worlds. Go live in Japan, guy. We'll call you when we need you. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But that woman, to me, I think she walks. She knows what is going on at NXT. She doesn't fit the NXT 2.0 model. And she knows that she doesn't have it in the eyes of management. And she'll end up like Asuka. Asuka's a joke. I don't want Asuka to be a joke, but Asuka's a joke. They treat Asuka like a clown. That's exactly what they're going to be doing to Io Shirai. Can you imagine Io Shirai dancing with Asuka? Or dancing like Asuka, they'll probably end up pairing them as a fucking tag team because they're both Japanese. That's exactly what they did with Asuka and Kairi Sane. Yes, we're going to have Kairi Sane all over again. Vince will probably be out there. Didn't we have her back here as the pirate? Is this who we got? He don't know them. He don't give a fuck. He'll probably go out there thinking EO is Kairi. Oh, we had these two as a tag team a couple of years back, right? During the pandemic. Yeah, let's bring her up. Fuck out of here. I hope she leaves forever. Somebody who wants to leave is, uh, is Roderick Strong. He's beaten down and wants out of NXT. Apparently, it's being reported by Meltzer that Roderick Strong's situation in WWE is not good. Roddy was described as feeling beaten down by his status in NXT. Now he knows how we the fans feel about watching NXT. I can only imagine what he's feeling being there. He's still showing up to work, but he doesn't want to be there. Roderick's fantastic, but you know, he's pretty beaten down. I'm not talking about physically. I mean, I'm talking about just the way he's booked and everything like that. You know, he's asked to get out. He's not allowed to get out. So he's in a weird state and he is somewhere where he doesn't want to be, basically. So Roderick Strong, as you guys know, is one of the, the last few remaining veterans on the NXT roster from the days of the black and gold. All of his friends are now working for AEW. He is an excellent in-ring performer. He's got some of the best matches in NXT history down there. Despite showing up for work every week, uh, he is unhappy about his position in WWE. And in May, he actually asked for his release, and the request was denied. So now he's been stuck in limbo ever since, and I believe he's got over a year left on his remaining contract. Is, is Roderick Strong unprofessional? Because he wants out of his contract? WWE is, you know, happy to release anybody because they're not up to snuff in the NXT Performance Center. Or they'll make budget cuts when they see fit. But they want to keep Roderick Strong on the roster knowing that he's unhappy and reportedly he's asked for his release three different times. So do they want him on the roster? Do they want to build around him? Do they want him to be a vital part of the roster? Or are they just keeping him there to make him unhappy in spite of him? Because they know exactly where he's going to end up. It's ridiculous. This company is fucked. If they don't want him, let him go. The diamond mine angle is not even interesting or entertaining. The Creed's, Ivy Nile, Damon Kemp, none of it's interesting. 
None of it is interesting. Roddy is the only interesting part because of the new attitude that he's kind of taken on Tuesday night. That's it. Just let him go. If you have no use for him, let him go. Why pay him? Put that money towards signing EO. And finally, guys, Monday Night Raw note. It was a bizarre match finish on Monday night if you guys saw the match between AJ Styles, Ezekiel, Miz, and Champa. It ended in a DQ on Monday Night Raw. Originally, Styles was supposed to take on Miz and Champa in a handicap match until Ezekiel decided to join in. The finish saw Styles having Miz in a calf crusher, but Champa came in and made the save. The referee called for a disqualification. So he called for a disqualification on what seemed to be a regular fundamental tag team breakup. The announcers then wondered why it was a DQ. I wondered why it was a DQ. Nobody knew why it was a DQ. Corey Graves questioned why the referee called for the bell. Nobody knows why the referee called for the bell. On today's Wrestling Observer, Meltzer explained that WWE has a secret rule for tag teams as you only get one save... If there is a second save, then it's a DQ. Jesus fucking Christ, if that was the case, AEW had would have every tag team match end in a fucking DQ. You only get one save if you're in a tag team match. I want somebody to go and watch the Street Profits and the Usos at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view, and I want, I want you to tell me how many fucking saves were in that tag team match. This rule sucks. This is a bullshit rule. The rule only applies when they want it applied. If you are the Usos or the Street Profits, you'll get as many fucking tag team breakups as you want. But the fact that this is a nothing tag team match on Monday night and they need to fucking book the show in the way that they need to book the show, they want to end the match on a DQ because Champa interfered and broke up a fucking submission. It only applies, the secret rule only applies to when they want it applied. It's bullshit. So this ended in a DQ. This type of safe situation happens a lot in tag team matches and rarely does the referee disqualify someone for it. But in this case, on Raw, it happened. Well, you know why. There's a secret rule, Melcher says, in these tag team matches in WWE. You only get one save. And this was the second save. So therefore, it's a DQ. The other thing is, there are guys from outside the ring, illegal guys that do two-on-ones constantly. It's like the idea that, it, uh, that the illegal man can't do anything physical to the legal man or to DQ. It's ridiculous. WWE, I'm telling you, man, they are something else. They are really, really something else. I, I, didn't, I didn't know why the match ended when it did, but uh, it, it's, it's fucking terrible. It really is. It's a joke. Anyway, guys, uh, listen, I... I got no more news. That's it. We got through everything, man. And we had 2,100 people in the venue on this Sunday night. I appreciate you guys very much, man. Tonight, sponsored by Magic Spoon. MagicSpoon.com. Use code SCRIPT at checkout for your $5 off, man. It's a great deal. Go hit them up. We're going to go over the Super Chats in just a second, guys. Please, get them on in. Let's keep the ball rolling tonight, man. Get them on in. I got my cold beverage ready to go. Follow me on social media, at JD from NY206. That's Twitter and Instagram. Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for notifications. 
Also, social media, man. Make sure you guys follow me on TikTok. I'm going to be a little bit more active on TikTok. Uploading clips from the show, upsetting people greatly on TikTok because they don't understand the greatness of this podcast. So go follow me on TikTok, man. Everything you need for social media is linked down below. Hit that subscribe button. Turn on the bell for notifications. We are over 1,100 likes, man. On our way to 1,200 likes. Thank you guys very much. Appreciate you very, very much. Next time you see me live will be tomorrow night from Monday Night Raw. We'll be live back in the beer garden talking about tomorrow's Monday Night Raw as we are on our way to SummerSlam. And also, make sure you guys go check out all the other videos that you might have missed on the channel, man. Tons of it. Also, if you guys just want the audio portions of everything, I am officially partnered with Blue Wire Podcast. We are on Blue Wire, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, iHeartRadio, and all other major audio platforms. Let's start at the top, man. Joseph Taylor, $2 Super Chat, Better Legacy. Kenny Omega or Roman Reigns? Seems like Joseph Taylor was in the bar early for happy hour, man. Drinking his sorrows away with that type of question. Roman Reigns, Joseph. Roman Reigns. Nate TV. With a 999 Super Chat. JD from NY. 206 is the best in this beer garden, in that venue, even on that commentary. No one can touch JD. Thank you, Nate TV. I appreciate you, man. House of Glory just announced Jacob Fatu versus Brody King for the now two-year vacant HOG world title. It's going to be a one hell of a match, man. High intensity, August 28th, live on Fight TV. If you can't be there in person, Jacob Fatu versus Brody King, man. Let us enjoy the carnage that will be. Elite Soldier with a $5 Super Chat. Chilling with the OTS family in the beer garden with my ice-cold Dr. Pepper. I like me some Dr. Pepper, man. I'm not a big soda drinker. I've uh, I've pretty much given up soda. I, I've given up soda for like the last 15 years or so. Um, but I think Dr. Pepper is one of the better ones out there. Especially Dr. Pepper Vanilla or uh, whatever. What are the other flavors of Dr. Pepper they got? Always used to be one of my favorites, man, really. Thank you, Elite Soldier. Thank you, Nate TV, for your uh, generosity here in the OTS Beer Garden. We got Lost Star DB with a $2 Super Chat. I'm never live for an OTS. Glad to be here tonight. Glad to have you, Lost Star. Thank you for the generosity, brother. Fantasy Kid becomes a member for eight months. Thank you, Fantasy Kid. JD, me, Marky D likes pile driving geeks. Do you think he can pile drive Gareth? No. Now, Marky D's a strong individual, bro, but Gareth is like 600 pounds and a fat slob who hasn't seen the fucking light of the sun in many, many, many weeks. I don't think that's possible. Dre Lavelle with a new membership. Dre, what are you drinking, brother? You tell me what you like to drink, bro. I'll get it for you. My boy Daryl in the chat. Sith Negan. What happened to Anthony Gangone and Hogg? Uh, I 
I don't really know, man. I don't really know. And if I did, I'm probably not at liberty to really even discuss those details. Ted Evans with a seven-month membership. Thank you, Ted Evans. I appreciate you, man. Intros are fire. Wrestling fans on Twitter are idiots. They think they know everything but don't know Jack. Wrestling Twitter and TikTok wrestling are just filled with cancer. It really is bad, Ted. Joseph Taylor with a $2 Super Chat. Goldberg apologized for burying Bray Wyatt. He apologized for burying Bray Wyatt. Where did he apologize for burying Bray Wyatt? I'll have to look that up as I begin my new work week tomorrow. Fujins Henry with a 499 Super Chat. Listening to the GOAT on Apple TV while I reconfigure my streaming studio. OTS for life. Fujins Henry. Thank you, brother. Thank you very much, man. I'm having a problem with my roadcaster, man. Maybe you can hit me up on Twitter. I'm going to need your help, Fujins. Also, I am uh, setting up my studio, man. I wish I could take... uh, I wish I could show you this beautiful desk I got. I just got a new desk that I'm working off of. And um, it's an eight-foot butcher block desk that I'm on right now. But it's a little bit too deep. So I'm going to have to cut it just slightly, but I'm reconfiguring everything. I got, I bought two $400. I spent $800 on monitor arms because I got a 20, a 27 inch Samsung, um, G7 Odyssey curved monitor. I got an Alienware 34 inch curved monitor. I wanted them off the desk. So I'm putting them on monitor arms. These monitor arms supposedly can hold up to, I think, 40 pounds or so. So I got them on monitor arms. Uh, I'm gonna, the monitor arms are coming tomorrow. I'm going to get them on monitor arms. I'm going to cut the desk this, pe- this next weekend. My PC is going to be on the desk. I'm going to get another Elgato light. So I'm going to have uh, key lights on one corner in the middle and then on the other corner. And then when it's done, hopefully I'll take some pictures for you guys, man. Maybe I'll fucking vlog in the office once I get everything uh, situated in here. But Fujins, yeah, man, hit me up, bro. I'm having a little issue with my uh, input one on my Roadcaster Pro 2. Justin Turner with a new, uh, new me- no, no, not a new membership, five-month membership. Thank you, Justin Turner. I appreciate you, bro. What are you drinking tonight, bro? AEW Mark 2018 with a $5 Super Chat. Give me Al Snow. Give me Head Chance and Val Venus. Hello, ladies. Also, Parker Boudreaux made his AEW debut yesterday at the Dark Tapings. Also, two dimes. We covered that, bro. We covered that tonight. Gang Green David with a $5 super chat. Love your stuff. Do you remember a segment that you had? uh, Do you remember a segment that had the words, Buckle Up Teddy? That aired on SmackDown. If so, what are your thoughts? I am not familiar with Buckle Up Teddy, Gangrene David. And I appreciate uh, you that you love my stuff, man. Jerry Ramey with a $20 super chat. Big E is handling this as great as he could. 
When I had my health scare last year, every beat of my heart scared me, and it rented space in my head looking forward and pulled through like Big E. It's the only way to not lose it. Yeah, man, Jerry, I could I could pretty much foresee myself going through the same thing, man. You know, if I had a health scare, especially with something like that, as serious as that, I'd be the same way, bro. Thank you for the 20, man. Appreciate you. DJ from Florida, 310. $5 Super Chat. Hey, JD, great show tonight. Just ordered my Magic Spoon cereal. So many great flavors. Thanks for the discount, bro. Listen, bro, you enjoy that Magic Spoon. You enjoy that Magic Spoon, man. Speaking of Florida, I'm going to be in Key West this coming winter, man. I'm going to Key West in January. I've made a promise to myself to get out of New York where it's fucking miserable and cold and spend at least a week in the 80-degree weather. And I'm going to Dublin. My first trip overseas ever, man. I'm going to Dublin in October. If I get enough feedback... I'd love to see if I could do a meet and greet in Dublin. Love to see how many people I could grab for a meet and greet in Dublin, man. Drinking an ice cold Guinness in Dublin. For the first time ever, man. Jeremy2006 with an 11-month membership. I think WWE will fuck up and let EO go. They don't deserve her. I agree, Jeremy. I don't think EO is really going to stay. I don't think she wants to be there. But thank you for the 11 months. I appreciate you, bro. We got Issa in the OTS venue with a 13-month membership. I love the beer garden, but I'm drunk, stuck on the Ferris wheel. Someone come save me. Great show as always. Thank you, Issa. We love you. We love you, Issa. Uh, The Ferris wheel, listen, I wouldn't be caught dead on a Ferris wheel. I'm afraid of heights. It takes every fiber of my fucking soul to even get on an airplane and fly. Thirteen months. Thank you, Issa. Aaron Brightman with a fifty dollars super chat. Aaron, thank you so much, man. You are the only reason I'm still up to date with modern pro wrestling, JD. I quite literally cannot force myself to sit down and watch WWE anymore. Keep up the good work. Love you, Aaron. Thank you so much, brother. Comment of the night. Cheers to you, bro. Fun fact, the Ferris wheel in the background is um, inspired by the Atlantic City Ferris wheel. If you guys go look, or if you're from New Jersey, or if you're from the tri-state area and have ventured down to Atlantic City, the the Ferris wheel in the background is inspired by the uh, Steel Pier Ferris wheel on the Atlantic City boardwalk. Because I also have a place in Atlantic City that I love very much. I'll be there on Tuesday. Supposed to be hanging out with my brother on Tuesday. So it's a fun fact for you guys. Thank you, Aaron, for the 50 in Super Chat, brother. Appreciate you. Nate with a 199 Super Chat. Can I get a... He wants me to do an Omas. I'm going to have to shut the music off. Nate wants me to do an Omas before Monday Night Raw. Come on, Nate. 
Come on, Nate. You really want the Omas? I'll give you the Omas. There you go. Hopefully that lived up to uh, my end of the bargain, man. Aaron with a new membership. Thank you, brother. Not only at 50, but a new membership. Thank you, bro. And Joseph Taylor with a $2 super chat. ReadClutchPoints.com. <laughs> you guys are fucking crazy, man. I swear, to, I swear to God. You guys are fucking crazy, man. <laughs> now you know. Now you know why I'm blocked on social media, bro. Now you know why I'm blocked by Omas. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, man. My precious. My precious. Come on, man. Come on, bro. Oh. Listen, man, I appreciate you all. I really do. Once again, shout out to Jesse and his wife, Kristen. Happy birthday to her. Jesse, I'll see you on Wednesday, man. Enjoy yourself tonight. Make sure you guys uh, follow me on social media, man. At JD from NY206. That's Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Cameo. Go hit me up, man. You guys know where to find me on social media. Also... Hit that subscribe button down below. Turn on the bell for all notifications. Thank you for the super chats tonight, guys. Thank you for the new memberships. Thank you for all the likes. We got 1,200, over 1,200. You guys are awesome. All the other videos that you might have missed on the channel, man, we got a ton of it. And more extras coming this week. I'll keep you guys up to date on everything. I'm loving the format that we got going on right now. Up-to-date news during the week. Sit down, chill in the beer garden on Sunday. Love it. And next time you see me on Monday, I'll be live for Monday Night Raw. Until then, guys, once again, thank you. I need two things from you. Also, Magic Spoon. Go get your Magic Spoon, man. Magicspoon.com. Code scripts at checkout. I need those guitar emojis in the chat. Those Mustang emojis from my VIPs, and I need that music on Max. Guys, I'll see you live for Monday Night Raw right here on OTS. See you guys later.